You're listening to the vocal minority with Nick Reynolds and Steve Harness. <laughs> mm. Hot. How much time? You're hot. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. That is good. You're on the air. How are you? You look awfully nice tonight. Maybe don't wear a bra next time. How much time until we're on? What? We're on the air right now. I'm ready. Are you ready? Anyways, hi everybody. Oh, hello there. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the program, The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve, a la Brusicki. Uh, right. yeah. How you doing, Brusicki? How's Boston today? Beautiful, I assume, right? Uh, yeah, cold, breezy. We're about to get the rain from Hurricane Ian. So oh, nice. Happy fall, y'all. Yeah. I'm hey, sure dude. you will all persevere. Uh, oh, yeah. What's the attempt there right now in Boston? Uh, it's about mid-50s. Oh wow, yeah, it's cold there today. It's uh hot in Sea Town, dude. Yep. Yeah. I'm warm here in California as well. I got the I got my ball fan on. That's oh, the yeah. fan under my desk sort of blowing up at me. So but are you wearing jeans? No, I just put shorts on. Oh I'm good. The classic anchor man that doesn't let you see below the waist. You don't want to know what's going on. <laughs> uh, hopefully you don't have to get up for any demonstrations during the program. Hey, you never know. I don't think I've I have any got a lovely Osacho. You might see my lovely satchel if I had cause for celebration, but I don't know if I do. Oh, Steve, you're always so negative, dude. Let's we're just getting the show started, dude. It may be something worthy of celebration. No. Well, that's the fun part about the show. There's some amount of things we, you know, prep for it. And then uh, other things that just sort of happen that you never quite see coming. So you never know. Yeah. By, by the way, I've started following some other podcast companies and whatnot on Twitter for our page. And someone the other day asked to all the podcasters out there, like, how many of you write out your entire show and are simply right. reading it back to the audience? Right. And I was like, no real host would do that. But I start reading through it. I'm telling you, like 90% of these people that are responding, they write out their entire freaking show. What do you mean? Word for word, what yeah. they're going to say? Yes. It's just them reading back to you. It's it, it, that's not a podcast. That's an ebook. It's a news anchor. Yeah, and exactly. I find it offensive. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird. It was a large percentage. Yes, almost oh. everyone has some sort of open that they read verbatim. But then most of the people were like, "Yeah, I write the entire show out and I just read it back." Wow, people. And I chimed in with like, "You guys are all lame. Like, <laughs> you should be broadcasting. <laughs> you should have you some did. notes, but you should come on in and just talk to your audience, not read a freaking you know prepared statement to them." You got right involved, dude. Right involved in the battle of of putting other podcasters down. Yeah, you know, he got vocal. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's about. It's about getting vocal here on the vocal minority. You know what the greatest compliment I think we ever got back in the, the original radio days of the show? Um, somebody accused us of scripting out our entire three or four hour show. Do you remember this? No. Some guy sent us an email and he basically said, you guys are all like so funny and you've got such good back and forth. There is no way you could just be doing this spontaneously. You have to be scripting this entire show. He thought everything was written out and there was four of us on that show. To which I said, first of all, like, I guess that's a big compliment that you think it's so good that we must have written all this out ahead of time. But, you know, it's also a compliment that anyone thinks I can read that well. (laughs) It would be a compliment to our acting, but that would take 
you know how many hours it would take to write a four-hour script? I mean, a movie's two hours, and they spend months writing that. So every show, <laughs> they're writing out a four-hour script and then just acting it back, and no one tripped on their lines or anything. So yeah, I took it as a compliment. Insane. But no, you're a moron if you think we've written all this stuff out in advance. And any I didn't podcast, even know it was an option, dude. I didn't even know that people did that, honestly. <clears throat> Well, in the regular world of radio, where we have professionals, I don't think anyone does. I mean, maybe some news story, obviously, some short little thing. Hey, dude, I remember well, when I first started working overnights in radio that I would write down my break for, oh, for, oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe the first uh, two weeks I would write mm, my breakdown. Yeah. But I mean, we were doing, you know, nine second breaks. Right. You know, it was just real quick shit. I mean, I wasn't writing a ton of stuff just and and it was more bullet points that I didn't want to forget. Right. Right. But and yeah, I just fine. can't imagine that. It's just yeah. insincere. Right, Bruski. Well, yeah, because uh, so the best advice I ever got as far as interviews went was for a host I, from a host I worked with in Seattle who said, don't write out questions, just write out bullet points and make it conversational. Yes. It's you the know. best advice you can have as a, as an interviewer, and you'll find that the interviewers you listen to off uh, that you enjoy, like oftentimes the interview goes in a whole different place than it was uh, anticipated to do, and that's usually makes it a better interview. Yep. My wife Rachel, you know, she's an attorney. She does a lot of depositions, yeah. so yeah. she has to go in and basically interview people, right? And get the most information out of them that she can. And so she writes stuff down. But I told her years ago, I was like, why do you not treat this like a radio interview? Like, you have all these points that you're going to hit. And then if something else were to come up in an answer, you would you just skip right over and go to your next bullet point. But you could pull so much more information out of them if you just listen to them, right? Yep, absolutely. And base it all off that. And she started doing that, and it's made her such uh, – I mean, people really look up to her in that world, and they always tell her, like, you're so good on depositions. Nice. And that's what she attributes it to. Like, why would you write all that down? Yeah. It's a conversation at that point. And, right. And, and also, you might actually get stuff out of people that they ordinarily wouldn't have shared because they, they feel more comfortable yeah. Yes. And if you're so focused on your list, you're going to, like Nick said, you're going to miss an obvious follow-up question. All right, whose noise was that? That was mine. Fuck. Was Reynolds told laptop. me to turn my noise off. <laughs> and now you got your alerts on. Hey, dude, this is my new laptop I got. I am I apologize. I don't know what's, what's notifying. It's off. Tacky. Tacky. <laughs> now, if we wrote this out, do you think we would have done that, people? So, yeah, yeah, just to keep people guessing. Right, duh. Exactly. That's how you throw them off. You know? I know yeah. Brewski's not a big Stern fan, but uh, as, Stern is, as Stern's gotten older, his interviews have become so much better than even back in the day when people used to say, like, he's a great interviewer. He's become so much better and refined, like in the last five years, especially that I, I'm addicted to his interviews. And that's exactly the way he interviews, dude. You yeah. know, it's just a conversation. Larry King always used to say that, you know, when a guest comes on, I don't want to read your book or I don't want to see your movie ahead of time. I want to just talk to you about it. And if I've seen it or read it, then I'm going to have some sort of pre you know, contrived yes. questions. And so he just didn't want to read. That's what the yeah. that's what that was. He was just being lazy. That is a good lazy broadcaster's approach, too, I suppose. But there, there's some truth. San Antonio, there. you're on the air. Right. <laughs> I always um, 
I always jot down some notes or questions I want to make yeah. sure I get to, but I don't get do them in a scripted sort of way. And I think one of our, my all-time favorite interviews we ever did was uh, Anthony Michael Hall, you know, from the, uh, from Rat Pack 80s stuff. I was, I was listening to that interview the other day, dude. We really? should post that interview on our podcast because yeah. it was, it was a great interview and he totally loosened up. Well, and we didn't know we were going to talk to him that day. Like he was supposed to be on, we were doing Seattle radio and somebody called us and basically said, like, he's got an opening in his schedule, like, right now. Like, do you want to talk to him right now? So we had no chance to prep anything. And so we just put him on the air live. And, yeah, I mean, it was a great conversation because it just turned into a conversation. So Yeah. Especially for doing. a guy like that who, like, you know, when they go into the, the press day where it's just, like, five minutes each radio station and it's all the same fucking questions. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, this, yep. this, this. And they, you know, you want to blow your head off, dude. <laughs> so to just get an interview with a good conversation would be heaven sent. And I wonder if Anthony Michael Hall ever smelled Molly Ringwald's chair like our own Brewski had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was at a radio right, station interviewing I, her. I, I did it. I didn't just smell her chair. I actually put my cheek down on the chair oh, and I could feel, feel the, the I did. I could feel the warmth. I mean, she was sitting there for like 90 minutes uh, talking to me. So, Dude, yeah. you got to first base with Molly Ringwald. That's uh, actually how I translate oh, that. So. Did you see the picture of me with her afterwards? I oh, have yeah. seen it. And she was looking good. And that wasn't even in like oh. the 80s or anything. That was what, oh, yeah, but early did, 2000s? Did, you didn't see my my right hand. Ah, exactly. Ah, I was creeping it. You got creeping that down, creeping, Well, creeping it down from her hip down just a little bit, you know. Oh, oh you are crazy. such a fucking pervert. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, what's the next time I'm going to have that opportunity? <laughs> when's yeah. the next time I'll have to physically assault and rape Molly Ringwald on <laughs> any level? <laughs> hey, you got to seize the day, right? Yeah. Are we on? Are we recording yet? We didn't start, did we? <laughs> I, I don't think so. We wouldn't be talking like this on the interwebs. Was this in the script? Our lawyer didn't approve that. <laughs> oh. Brutsky's got a lot of great stories from radio days, dude. Oh, yeah. We'll, well have yeah. to get into more of those one day. But yeah, we should uh, stick that uh, interview up on our podcast because it was he. He seemed like a cool guy. Yeah, if you know where it is, I have every old recording of us, but I only have it uh, listed by date, so I have no idea what's on <laughs> any of them. You know, yeah, and they're all on CDs, so yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah well, we'll vinyl. Go through yeah. those. <laughs> so long not, they're not real to real, no. All right, so, anyways, <laughs> yeah, we're back, everyone. It's the vocal minority with Nick and Steve. I'm Steve, Nick's over there. That's Brewski, our producer, sidekick. Uh, yeah, we're worldwide, we're on the old social media. That's been fun. We've got some comments and other things to read that we'll get to at some point here. But uh, please do find us on there. We're, we're on all the major ones and help share this stuff. Social media continues to a bit of explode for us. I mean, not in like the millions or anything, but we got some thousands going. And those of you discovering that now need to share it for us. Yes, please. Cool were any of you ever the first to discover, you know, a band or something like that in your high school or whatever it was? Yes. Yeah. Who was it? Yeah. Modest Mouse. Really? Well, yeah. Didn't they discover themselves in your high school? Didn't you go to high school? I didn't go to high guys? school. They went to Issaquah High, uh, and it was actually, I mean, it was uh, senior year, I guess. But I was working with the bass player at uh, Hamburger Joint. Oh, so I knew in? of them through him and then just started going to watch him play all the time and going down to Portland all the time to, you know, go see him play. So I was in on the early side of that and got some really cool access because they were just buddies, you know, at the time. 
and then uh, kind of started to lose contact and then just kind of like a Facebook thing. But uh, then when they blew up and started becoming mainstream, I was like, oh, it was a proud moment, right? Sure. But we also, play Mouse like, on our radio station that we work at nowadays. Is that weird? It is weird, dude. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, Eric Judy is the guy that I was good friends with, and he was the bass player for Modest Mouse. And uh, I stopped by a garage sale maybe four years ago in West Seattle, and I walk up, and he's standing there. I'm at his house. Oh. <laughs> and I hadn't seen him in all those years, dude. And he gave me – he knows I'm a big fan, and he's not in the band anymore, uh, but he gave me a bunch of – old pressed vinyl that's never uh-huh. been opened of all their early early stuff and was like hey thanks for stopping by it was fun to see him so yeah that was that cool. was my biggest early side moment yeah we play fuel on our station too and the drummer oh, yeah. my old band uh is the drummer for fuel nowadays it's his name uh boone well boone gegenheimer when i knew him now he goes by shannon boone because his original his name is actually boone shannon gegenheimer so he switched it to shannon boone so, yeah, he plays with Fuel and Puddle of Mud. He is not their original drummer for either band, but it's okay. one of those they lost the drummer and hired someone, and so he's their you know their drummer. So it's always cool when we play him on the radio. He got that little connection. But uh, for me, yeah. Pearl Jam, I discovered them before anyone else in my little small hometown of Chelsea, Michigan. <laughs> and as you guys know, Pearl Jam is one of my favorite bands. So I uh, the first time I ever heard them was on the Headbangers Ball for some reason, Saturday nights mm-hmm. with Ricky Rackman on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. And the end of one of the shows, he was just like, Hey, there's this new band that people are starting to talk about. It's not really like Headbangers Ball metal, but I'm digging it. So this is a band called Pearl Jam with Alive. And I fell in love with the song and I, I went right out away. Oh yeah. I found a Pearl Jam hat at some uh, record store in the bigger city. And I was running around my small town, just telling everyone fucking Pearl Jam, man, this is the <laughs> band. And at first everyone looked at me sideways, but then it all uh, came across. And I, I did. was known as the Pearl Jam man for many years. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. And I tell you what, dude, I wish both of you guys Steve got here rather quickly, but Brewski, when did you first come to Seattle? Not till 98. 98. Okay. That's when I got there. You guys were both there when things were still blowing up in Seattle. With a little bit of the tail end. I got a little little bit for showing up in the late 90s because that's when Seattle, you know, all the the carpetbaggers or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the beginning of the 90s, well, when I was in high school, I graduated in 94. So, you know, in 1990, 1991, all that shit was blowing up downtown. I bet. And it was such a cool, my my wife and I talk about that all the time. It was such a cool thing to fucking witness the birth of a new genre of music. Did you, you get know? it though? Or did you just think like, these are local bands. That's why everyone must love them so much. Or did you get a sense that there's oh, no. something bigger? It, it was it was vibrant it was magic like it, it was a it was a feeling for sure yeah. and if you were in the scene at all going into seattle to great live music venues you know the off-ramp off-ramp the velvet elvis was a great place to go uncle watch. rockies what about the yes. color box because i got to play at the color box once and i thought that was so cool uh, the was it the color box or the show box i thought it was the color box the show box yeah, it must have been the show box. Cause the I have show- had the word color box in my memory for eons. Are you sure about that? Yeah, because show box actually has two locations. One by Hame, by, by the market, and then one also down by um, 
uh, by Safeco Field. Uh, that's actually the old premiere. It's called Showbox Soto. I know, yeah. the, Showbox I know the main market. Showbox, but uh, let me, I don't know. It's by Pike Place Market and yeah, by Johnny Rockets. You know what? There was a lot going on back then, so it could be. But Showbox was the main one, and the Crocodiles have always been a fun place to go see shows. Seattle's a great place It was place the color box. I was right. Yeah, I'm looking where at was, it right now online. Where was the color box? I don't remember exactly. It was somewhere down no, the address. near Square, and um, oh, near I, told, I, I don't. I, mean, I can't pull it all right. right. But I'm just saying, like I, re- everyone told me when I got there that that was one of the sure. clubs that they all played at, and I got to play okay. like a sold out Saturday night. And, oh, nice! But it was somewhere right. off Pioneer Square. I don't know. Right when you got to town, you got that. Yeah, I joined a band right away. My brother had been brother in law had been playing in one, and they needed a guitar player, and I figured, why not? And uh, uh, we we didn't last more than a few months but we yeah we played a saturday night at the color box and it was a packed house and that was pretty awesome yeah that's real cool dude uh it was graced the stage that nirvana and soundgarden and all the big ones did my okay okay hotel okay hotel was one of my favorite places yes yes great place to watch i loved i loved you and but then that got destroyed by the by the earthquake remember the the earthquake was in 2001 Mm. yep yeah i i was working the sailors club was a great place to go see a show Oh yeah, uh, I mean yeah, it, there was just so much going on. So it's cool that you got to play in in one of them. I remember being at a show called Drop in the Park for Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. and uh, the T-shirts were you know I'm sure you've seen the T-shirts of a guy just sitting like taking a dump out in the middle of a park. Yes. And, uh which is that what was happens great... in downtown Seattle all the time. <laughs> yeah, now it's just commonplace, <laughs> dude. People are shitting everywhere. Uh, I walked out of a Subway restaurant and had just eaten a nice steak and cheese. Oh. And I walk out and I like come around the side door and there's a guy leaning, you know, his back up against the wall, just dropping a sloppy shit, wow. not a hard shit, just sloppy right there. And I about, I mean, I almost threw up. Would it have been better if it was a solid uh, bowel? Yes. <laughs> yes, dude. I mean, it was splatting on the pavement and you know he had nothing to wipe it was not a great scene wow well that sounds awesome steve tell us about something that really sounds awesome speaking of you playing in bands and you got some news from an old bandmate recently oh we'll see what happens with it dude uh, come on yeah it's a proud papa moment dude come on let's talk about a little bit you gotta your old band is now a new band and they're doing well, right? Okay, no, yeah. So I used to play in a band called South Normal. You can look them up on YouTube, Google, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was in the band in the early 90s, and uh, it, it, it was awesome. It was a phenomenal band, and it meant a lot to me. But the old dynamic of you know life on the road, and you spend all your time with the same guys, and there's a reason every you know rock star is banging chicks and doing blow. Like It's a weird lifestyle out there. And I eventually realized I, I didn't want that life. I wanted a I wanted a wife and kids and a home and stability. And Lars Ulrich, one time, the drummer from Metallica, he was talking about life on the road. And he said that for the two hours a day you're up there on stage, it's all worth it. But the other 22 hours a day, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Because wow. you're just isolated and in hotel rooms and vans and playing and you're just traveling. So I realized the band wasn't what I wanted to do. And I, I ended up quitting. But we were a really phenomenal band. And the five of us together were really something kind of cool and special. And I've had so much guilt that I feel like I derailed that band by leaving. They continued on after me. And they wrote some really great songs. But they just they never got a big record deal and never took off. And 
Um, but that band meant everything to me and it was tough to, to move on. And I went to radio school and then I moved to Seattle and, you know, life went on. But so um, one of the key guys, the lead singer, who was uh, also main songwriter and guitar player, he's in a new band now called Van Gogo. You should check them out as well. They're pretty cool. We've been playing them as well on our local radio station. So, um, yeah, the singer reached out to me because we're still friends. I mean, this dude and I, we, uh, we went to high school together along with Boone, who we were talking about earlier. We were all in the same grade, all buddies. And, uh, yeah, they're doing a new band and they're heading out on the road in theory next summer. They want to get out and do some tour dates. And he sent me a note, A, checking in on me because all my friends on Facebook are aware of the shit I've been through in these past few months. Uh, but then he said, like, we're going to go out on tour next year and we're going to come through your area. And I want you to get up on stage and play a couple of songs with us. Yeah, that's pretty. Nice. I mean, that's that's applause worthy. That's dude. exciting. That's, that's awesome. It is exciting. I haven't uh, performed live in a, a long time. And, you know, my guitar playing has come and gone over the years. But it um, I play guitar more when I'm stressed out or depressed. So right now I'm a really fucking good guitar player. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hopefully I stay miserable until next summer when they show up and then I'll be, uh, I'll be the Eddie Van Harness of, uh, well, you, <laughs> you're going to have, to, gonna have, to have the kids there. What's that? You're going to have to, you're going to have to have the kids there. Yeah. The kids definitely need to see me. You yeah. Guys, I mean, and, uh, you know, the ironic thing is my ex who is the cause of all this misery. She, uh, she made me promise her that before I died, I would get back on stage just one time at least because she just wanted to see me up on stage, you know, playing my guitar <laughs> and all that. And so, Sorry, you're going to miss it out, but uh, hopefully it happens. Even if it yes. doesn't happen, the fact that he would even ask me means a lot. So, uh, sure. so that's cool. Sure. We'll see. We'll see. Get to relive She's my glory days. Yeah, it's going to, I, it's going to, I'm manifesting it for you. I think it's going to be good for you. Well, I appreciate that. So I'll stay depressed and uh, stay practicing guitar all the time. So. What, you just been practicing like crazy? Because I know when you uh, first kind of started, well, when you were going through your divorce, you kind of picked the guitar up again, and you kept playing it a little bit into your relationship, but then what, you put it down, got busy? That's, yeah, exactly. It. It's, you know, guitar is either what you do for a living or it's a hobby, and when yeah. times are good and I'm in a relationship and, you know, you're always hanging out with that person or doing things, so, yeah, it gets harder to play as often. Uh, so I, yeah, post, you know, during the divorce and right after I got back into it, I got really good, started getting my chops back, and then it did fade a little, you know, over the last two years. And guitar for me is something that is therapeutic in two ways. One, you kind of have to have a singular focus while you're playing. Uh, so you're not drifting, thinking about everything else going wrong in your life. Sure. Uh, but it also is a great way to channel emotion. You know, you can play a happy song, a sad song. You can fucking rock that thing out. And yeah. Yeah. the feeling of being on stage, you know, a therapist taught me years ago that once you've discovered a feeling in your brain, it can never be taken away. You can always go back to that. And the feeling of being live on stage in front of a sold out crowd and just generating that music that hits the audience and they cheer and they send the energy back to you. I mean, there's a a tangible thing going on when you're performing live i and can't even is... imagine it dude that's a, it, you know what if i had any talent as a musician that would be a dream to be able to to do that because I, I i i've had the experience from me to the artist and i understand how powerful it is and i can't imagine being on the other end of that yeah, of just man. like 
people singing your fucking lyrics at a live show gets yeah. my boner hard. I mean, yeah. it really does. Like that would be incredible. Yeah. No, people cheering, people singing it back to you. You know, you hit the chord on the guitar and people cheer like it's mad. Yeah. It's crazy magic. So, so yeah, when I play guitar nowadays, I'm able to sort of tap into what that kind of felt like. And it's beyond, you know, cathartic and therapeutic. So yeah, I've been, I've been playing a lot and, and, you know, I don't have the pressure anymore to, like, write the next great song. So I can just goof around. And I've actually found that it, it's easier to come up with stuff when you don't put so much pressure on. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. When you don't have to spit something out, when you're exactly. just kind of jamming around. Yeah. Well, anytime you bring a song uh, into the band, you know, some jerk is, oh, that sounds like Zeppelin or that sounds like Pearl Jazz. So when you don't have that filter, that criticism, and you do it to yourself a lot, too. Like, wait a minute, is that Zeppelin I'm playing, really, that I realize yeah, yeah. a Beatles song? like. So when you can just put all that bullshit out of your head and just play music and just create sounds and make the guitar talk and all that stuff. It's a, you know what, by the way, when the dating expert told me to put on my profile, like what's your, what song are you working on right now? Are you working on Led Zeppelin? Stairway to I right. hate that. I have yeah. this, I, I've given the same speech to every woman who has ever asked me to play guitar for him. I tell them, yes, I'll play guitar for you, but I don't take requests. I'm not <laughs> a fucking karaoke machine, you know? I don't know every yeah, yeah. song ever written. And if I did, I wouldn't sit here and play them for you. It's ridiculous. Like, do you want to hear the guitar talk? Because that's what we can do. It's similar to people coming up to the three of us, and we've all had it at remotes or wherever, like, hey, talking to your radio voice, talking to your radio voice, you know, of, like, <laughs> yeah. people wanting to you to entertain for them, like, come on, come on. Absolutely. I just they had that happen at the bank. The, the teller was like, do the radio voice for us. I'm like, do you want a weather report? Like, what? And I'm talking right now. Like, this is my voice, you know? Yeah. Insulting to me that, you know, I know I may be a little more energetic on air or something, but it's my voice. I'm not doing wrong radio here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how are y'all? What's going on? So. Dude, it brings up something that I had on my list. I don't know if we're ready to get into anything here or not, but it brings Keep up something that I had on my list that I thought, you know what? I should talk to the guys about this because this came from something stupid. Do you guys ever uh, watch Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. A lot. Oh, you do? Actually, okay. I used to watch it a lot, a lot, and then the more I got into business ownership and stuff, it was... Yeah. It became stressful to watch Shark sure. Tank. <laughs> right. So yeah, hearing all the numbers. And... Exactly. It's like yeah. work on TV. So, but yes, but no, big Shark Tank fan. Uh, so there was something on there this past weekend that I had no interest in, but the concept behind it, I found curious and it kind of made me think a little bit. This couple came up with a, basically it's a box you buy with a picture of a character that they've created, uh, Wooly the werewolf or, you know, just all these names. And they teach you how to crochet this animal. Oh, okay. I was like, that seems like kind of a, uh, a tight knit, no pun intended, uh, community that's going to buy that, right? Like that's not a mass marketing. Yeah. yeah, they sold like $5 million over the last two years of these things. And their whole concept is what got me because it was like, uh, you're never too old to stop learning something new. And, you know, therapists will often talk about the fact that, you know, if you can continue to learn new things in life, like that's where you find your self-confidence and your enjoyment from life that like you're living, right? Is when you're doing new things. Yeah, if you're an 85-year-old woman, yeah. <laughs> crocheting dude yeah, in all seriousness i know a lot of people that crochet i don't know why it's so big but it is, is it well, I mean, they already had stencils i thought that was the whole point my grandma used to have one of those it was a flower basket looking thing and they so yes uh, but this was just a, a 
kid. But that's I fuck crocheting, dude. This is my thought and okay. my question. I started thinking to myself, like, there's plenty of things that I would love to do that I've oftentimes, at least in my head, said, like, too fucking old to learn how to do that, dude. Like, I, I'm not going to. I've wanted to take sing, singing lessons for years and have, like, in the last five or six years, my niece has been wanting to take singing lessons. So it got me thinking again, like, I should just go take them. But there's something inside me that's tells me you're too fucking old <laughs> you're gonna fail you're gonna be terrible so what are all these things that we can come up with in life that are things to try that we can actually do who knows dude sky's the limit you just got to go out and try them so i'm going to make a commitment that i'm gonna start fucking trying some new shit and i think crocheting? you guys should do the same thing dude huh? no crocheting? fuck crocheting dude <laughs> okay <laughs> stop, i don't know if i need an intervention for you here Listen, yeah, I've, no. I've a couple of things here. First of all, I was talking to somebody who the other day must have been in their like 60s or something. And the, the woman asked me, like, how old are you? And I said, I'm 46. And she said, oh, to be 46 again, you're so young. You have a <laughs> life ahead of you. And I was just like, wow, like, I don't look at it that way at all. I feel like I'm old. But it's really true that we are kind of in the prime of our lives. And there are all sorts of people that either start new careers now. Uh, the definition of a midlife crisis, right, is starting some crazy thing. I'm going to go learn how to hang glide or whatever. So I can't yeah. even fathom it. I cannot, <laughs> I, I cannot even fathom having to change direction, like, you know, pivoting on my career at this point. Yeah. Like, it's I'm daunting, stuck. but all sorts this of people do it, man. Listen, so you have 46 daunting. years under your belt, but the first 10, whoever remembers, and even the first 20, you were just formative years. So you really have 20 years of adulthood under your belt. So in another 20, you're going to be 66. You've got an entire, the life you have lived as an adult, you've got the equal amount of time ahead of you. So <laughs> anything that you started about. in your 20s and fostered into your 30s and 40s, there's no reason you can't start something in your 40s and continue in your 50s and 60s. So, Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. These are new realizations on my part, because as we've started this talk show back and other things, I've been like, holy crap, I can't reinvent stuff at this point or the chance to have a talk show. I thought that was done and over. But it's not. I'm 46. Like most talk show hosts are in their 40s and 50s when they're starting their careers. Here's the thing that I think made it easier when we were younger, that we had so fucking little to lose. Sure. Right. And a lot of free time and no real obligations in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that stuff. But now it's like, oh, well, what would I do with this? We've we've molded these lives around us of responsibilities and you know, people we have to take care of. So it gets, it gets incrementally harder. I think the older you get, but psychologically, my therapist is probably, I've had a lot over my life and the one I'm with right now, Misty, which yeah. sounds like she's a stripper, but, um, she's phenomenal. And she started her career like five or six years ago. She did a whole other career. I don't remember what it was, but she reinvented herself and she's got to be older than us. Not much, but you know, same thing. Like she was into her forties and started an entirely new career and she's great at it and doing, you know, making a good living at it. So hmm. uh, what about you, Brewski? Bruce oh, is over 50, so he's fucked. So. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 soon to be 52. So yeah, but I, I sometimes think about that same thing too, as far as what have I done with my life and did I make right choices and what can I do going forward? I mean, I'm in the middle right now. Well, not 80, 85 to 90% way through my first uh, detective novel. Nice. I'm, 
22 That's chapters. Fucking cool. I like that a whole bunch, dude. Uh, let's hear. Let's put on a little bit of music for you. <laughs> That's good drum beat. That's your. That's your chapters name, dude. Come yeah, on. yeah. So I'm 22 chapters in, and I'm I'm in the home stretch. It's been about three years, and it's been a lot of work. And then I still have to edit before I even submit it to a book company. But what about uh, giving it to a buddy as a first read, dude? Uh, have you had anyone read any of it for you? Uh, yeah, my sister a little bit, and I sent some to a friend of mine, but she's more into like Jane Austen stuff, so. Hmm. I'm there sorry. A, when you said you were starting your first mystery novel, or what'd you say, murder novel? Detective, dude. I thought you yeah. meant you were reading your first one. You're writing one. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. Come on. Oh yeah. no, you are a champion. I got a friend locally here, Brad, Nick. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> who's writing a book, and that guy's like, you know, in his late 60s, but he's telling me about all these resources he has and whatnot. So I'll, I'll connect the two of you together, Bruce. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like I said, it's been three years. Uh, four, going on four, but I'm 90% of the way through. I'm, I'm in the home stretch. Well, that's awesome. It. And now you have a, uh, you know, a platform to be promoting your book. So yeah. It, How did well, that come I, about? Like, do you have an idea and then you just started vetting it out or? I, well, actually I have a Facebook uh, page devoted to it. I haven't sent it out to a lot of people. <laughs> Do you have a pen name or something? How can we nope. find you? Or do you want anyone to find you? It's, it's just going to be J my real name. Jason Fisher and uh, uh, on Facebook, uh, the name of the book is uh, called Grungy Murder. Grungy Murder, huh? Yeah, that, that that's a Seattle the reference. Yes, exactly. Oh, nice. Okay, exactly. Dude, so it's it starts exciting, in, it starts in Boston, goes into Europe because it's about a band, and the singer dies. Well, he's murdered, and um, so there's a whole back. There's a whole big story that's involved with my detective and the manager of the band and that sort of thing. And so that's phenomenal. Yeah. I do too. I, I Bruski, you mentioned this to me a little bit last time I was in Boston when I was visiting. Yeah. Uh, you weren't nearing the end then you've been busy then. Yeah. Well, whenever I'm not working, I, I make myself sit down and, and uh, I have a playlist on YouTube that's, kind of a lot of Seattle and grunge music and that sort of thing. And I play that and then I kind of get into a different world and that kind of helps me write the, the, the story. I'm, I'm in amongst that, that world and not where I am currently in the nice. physical. I'm stoked on it, dude. I'm real sure. excited for it. And uh, you know, I'll wait till you release it, dude, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited to read it. I think well, it's, there's there's, there's, a, there's a slight a slight connection uh character connection with uh you nick <laughs> oh in the book oh boy is he the murderer <laughs> no no he is not he's not no but but there's there's a, a, a character that that the bit the singer my singer scotty goes to see an attorney yeah and his, the attorney that's representing him her her name is rachel Oh, that's cool. Right on. <laughs> hey, Nick, let me ask you this question. What's the vibe in Seattle nowadays? Bruce, you know, used the word grunge there. When I showed up in 98, if you used the word grunge, they would, you know, hogtie you and put you on a, you know, Greyhound back east. They hated yeah. the word, in other words. No, I think that it has aged enough now that it's not so, you know, yeah. passe. I see. Uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. To be honest with you, since pandemic has happened, uh, I haven't spent a lot of time in the city, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh it's the city got wicked for a while, for sure. 
Uh, so they're starting to clean things up over there, but I haven't, I've been to a few shows. I guess I'm mean, among people our age. You could talk about it being grunge. I mean, that's, it's, it's a genre of music, dude. Yeah. You know? I'm a badge of honor. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Genre. All right. Yeah. I you, think, you so. know, you know, by the way, I was uh, not to promote other shows, but uh, I depends on what show it is. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I listened to lithium on yeah. satellite radio quite a bit. It's a great and, channel. Well, they, they actually have a, a show called Soundtracking the 90s. Mm-hmm. And the host of the show actually, because this year is the 30th anniversary of the movie Singles. Nice. Yes. One of my favorites. Yes. I'll be and watching she, that again soon, I assume. And she Show talks, every new girl. <laughs> you're well, she, she, talks to, she talks to Cameron Crowe. Beautiful. You know I'm a Cameron Crowe guy, dude. Yeah, and she talks to Kira Sedgwick. Oh, and, very nice. And um, and and they play some of the the bands that are in there. And actually, Cameron Crowe suggests a song that didn't quite get on the uh, single soundtrack that they wanted on there. Mm. And um, and it's actually a really wicked song. I I dig it quite a bit. So you might give it a listen. And you know, who's the band? Oh, geez, you're gonna put me on the spot. I don't oh, know. if you don't know, you don't know. Go I mean, Google yeah. it. I, I was I was, I was driving by. when I heard it, so. I will stand by this to the day I die unless somebody manages to outdo this, but the greatest movie soundtrack ever, obviously. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah, yeah yes. No, yeah. <laughs> no, the fucking <laughs> single soundtrack one, is the yeah. greatest movie soundtrack yeah. ever. Yeah, it's Pearl a great sound garden, mother love bone. Yeah. I mean, all of the, all the greats and some great versions. I mean, uh, uh, Chris Cornell, acoustic solo on there. I mean, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's an incredible the, soundtrack. Of course, Mud Honey. Yeah, yes. I'm not a big Mud Honey fan. That that's the one song I always skipped on that soundtrack. And touch I touch me, I'm sick. pissed about. Well, that. Overblown is my favorite. It wasn't song. Touch Me I'm Dick though. It was or no. It, it was no, called, that's not the one that was on there. The original, yeah, the original song of this is "Touch Me, I'm Sick," but "Overblown" is the song that's by Mud Honey. That and which I wanted to hear Mud Honey play. I went and saw Mother Love. I mean, not Mother Love. Um, Mud Honey with Nick and Rachel in oh, wow. Seattle, and I kept wanting them to play "Overblown." And Nick and I were standing in the crowd screaming, "Overblown, play Overblown!" And they didn't do it. Was it. not listening. No. <laughs> Mock arm, how dare you not? play our requests i used to wear in high school as well with my pearl jam hat i wore a citizen dick t-shirt that was bootlegged from the streets of seattle that my brother-in-law had sent me and he told me like everyone around here thinks it's kind of poser to wear this but i was in the midwest and i had a citizen dick shirt which is the fictitious band from singles that had the guys from pearl jam in it so oh i actually have a a citizen dick t-shirt here nice oh you do yeah. I was going to tell Harness that'd be worth some money these days. Uh, no, old band shirts are going crazy in price. Oh, no, this, this, this is this is a repop someone made a few uh-huh. years ago, and I bought it for myself. Uh-huh. But I, I have I have it here at, at the house. It's not original. I wish it were original. Yeah, yeah, mine was. I used to wear it when I played with South Normal a lot, and uh, that thing fell apart years ago. But yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of singles and my dating life and all that, should we uh, start to transition here? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Singles is a great dating movie for any of you uh, guys out there. It's uh, it's a good one to show on one of those first few dates, and then you're sitting on the couch and all that. So it all works out nicely. But <laughs> yeah, okay. So I've got uh, I've got some internet dating updates for y'all's. First Much of to all, my dismay. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll get there. First of all, I had the craziest experience. Bruce, let me see if you can explain this. If you know why. Okay. I, I I'm on I'm on a couple of different apps, but Bumble is one of the main ones, and we've talked about that. 
Now, I live in this small little town of South Lake Tahoe, California. I mean, this town has maybe 20,000 people in it. Um, there's some high schools in major cities that have like, you know, almost that many people. So when I'm on these dating apps, I maybe get a like from Bumble where a woman sees me and reaches out to say she likes me. Maybe, maybe that happens once. I don't know, every other week or something, like even once a month, like it's pretty fucking rare. And like the dating expert was telling us, a lot of these women on dating apps, they're waiting for the guy to reach out to them first, which I get. So it's a really small percentage of women that are reaching out to the men first. And it's once in a blue moon for me. I went to San Francisco this past weekend for my son's 13th birthday. Happy birthday. You better not be listening to this. Uh, and i'm down there we're at an amusement park so when we're standing in lines i'm taking out my phone and flipping through various stuff and like i go to my bumble app and all of a sudden it's like you've got four new likes i'm like four new likes like that's crazy and i i put it down i go back like an hour later it's like you have 12 new likes champion an hour later i have 20 new likes champion and I'm thinking, like, did I get better looking overnight? Like, what the fuck, Brewski? It's, do you know what it is? It's, yeah, it's it's the place where you you were geographically. Yes, Bumble San Francisco on geography. Exactly. So I realized this small town I'm dating in. Man, if I lived in a city, I would be getting <laughs> ass like a toilet seat. Apparently, yeah. Man, women were hitting me up left and right, and that wasn't even me reaching out to them. So yeah, that was yeah. interesting. So I don't know. You, Dating I mean, in a small I, town sucks is what I've just well, realized. <laughs> I had I had better luck dating in Seattle than I do here. Even on the internet, where they can't hear my speak or anything like that, um, I had much better luck. I don't know what it was with C in Seattle than I do here. So you're a Boston six and a Seattle nine. Is that <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, oh, maybe I'm more interesting. No, dude, I'll tell there. you what it is. I know exactly what it is. Women fucking love accents. So you've got that Bostonian <laughs> accent. Yeah. So when you go to the West Coast, you're special. You stand out. But, Women but love but, accents. So yeah, yeah in Boston, but, you're you're just a no, no, but, regular but Joe. But but that doesn't mean anything as far as internet goes because they can't hear me speak. Yeah, maybe they just know you're from Boston. You look like you have an accent. You know. I know, but <laughs> no, just... what are you talking about, dude? Steve, this is my this is my theory. Yeah. If you go out and pretend to have an accent, yeah. will you see if you can pick someone up? <laughs> please in a bar dude if i was a good enough actor i guarantee you that would work because women yes. can love accents i think more than they love tall guys you could be four foot nine and if you had a any foreign accent you get laid if you're in america well, hey, your home country no I, I have a question for steve tell me is lake tahoe considered a conservative town that's a great question. So we're California, we're in the mountains, so there's plenty of lefty liberals around here, and they probably are more common out in the street, like that's who you're going to run into around town. But Tahoe is also a very wealthy area. So wherever there's sure. wealth, there's lots of conservatives. So I would tell you that probably conservatives run the town, but liberals run around the town. <laughs> well, it, because obviously if you're in San Francisco, you know, sure there's money there, but that that's a liberal town. Yeah. You know, you have that look about you like you're a liberal guy and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> Do you think so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very uh, judgmental of you, but I'll take it. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> um, Just kind of like his his general kind of way he looks, like with his beard and his glasses and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what what people would might think, okay, that if you had to look at somebody and say, okay, that guy's conservative or that guy's considered liberal like if i look at dan stewart i thought about that if i look if i looked at dan stewart this is a friend of nick's i would immediately say that guy's conservative why he's just a white guy 
It's it's the way he dresses. It's the way he carries himself. It's I just, get it. I mean, it, I understand. It, Dan Stewart is not I've never conservative. Talked, no, he's it. not, which okay. is uh, an anomaly, I suppose. But I mean, there are exceptions to the rule. But I I understand why you would say that. I mean, he Dan wears a lot of uh, clothing that come from free TV, you know, stations and radio stations. <laughs> He wears slip-on shoes uh, of the morale fashion, the whole, you know, that most uh, Trumpers like well, to wear. He also works in sales, and and whenever and most salespeople I've ever known in radio are always conservative folks, especially sales managers. Mm. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't mean to derail you, but this is yeah, good insight. I appreciate it. I, I'm glad I look liberal. You look I, very I, liberal. Steve. I take it as a compliment. You look very yeah. liberal today. Very oh yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Do I look liberal, Brewski? Yes. I do. What What is it for me? Yes, is comically it, uh, like, of course you do. My so. cheekbones, or you look like a no. nice guy. So therefore, yeah, you exactly. Liberal. You just have the, <laughs> you you have, you have a very likable face, big smile at all times. You have, you you're actually in a good mood most of the time, and you know conservatives are pissy. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, no, you're they're, right. They're, I would look at you and think you're liberal too. So I, I get know, what you're saying. It just interests me how people see different things. So mo- I'll tell you this: most conservatives are nothing but red asses. That's all they are. They're yeah. red asses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know sure what, what that, that is. <laughs> like baboon butt? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. So th- th- think about how how that would th- a red ass is somebody that that that's what they call in Boston. That's what they call somebody that oh. that's that's always all all like looking grumpy and pissed off and angry. That, that guy's a fucking red ass. You know, <laughs> that's good. We're learning Boston lingo, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm going to start using that one. No, for but, sure. but yeah, yeah. And we we all know people like that that are just always like just always pissed off sure. or, they, or they look pissed off at all times. And you know what? That they're a red ass, no matter what. <laughs> You've learned something. Yes, they are. Hey, yeah. Speaking of terms, let me let me throw a term by you here, Brewski, and see if you know. So continuing okay. on my internet dating sagas. First of all, big city much better. But I got a, a message this week, and uh, Nick, I, Nick, I shared this Ooh. with. So let me just read it to you. Okay. Um. First of all, this is in response to that fucking picture of me showing my teeth that just, you know, the dating expert told me to put up there. I'm getting all sorts of feedback on it. It's now. working, dude. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So this woman who looked, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, nothing too special, but she sends me a message based on that picture and okay. says, hey, handsome, do you need my service? I'm down for a hookup. And I write back and I say, I'm thinking like service, like you're going to clean my gutters or no. my lawn. So I'm like, LOL, your service, do you take credit cards? And she says, do you know what that means? And I said, no, I don't. So Brewski, she's offering service. What the fuck does that mean? She wants to smoke your pole. <laughs> she For wants free? to smoke your pole. She, no, she's a prostitute. Yes. She replied back and she said, I'm a prostitute. So apparently well, offering service means that she's a hooker and she was well, soliciting me on the internet. Well, did she add? I didn't ask for did, a menu. But she, she, didn't, she didn't ask you if you were generous or did she say something like, you know, uh, I need some roses or anything like that? No, honestly, now I'm thinking I probably should have continued this conversation just no. to the show to get some. Yes. Well, I'm yeah. always curious what prices are like. I would never. Let well, me rephrase this. I was going to say I would never pay for sex. Well, let's be honest. All men pay for sex, you know, dinner, well, but, movies, gifts, all that shit. So we're no, but what, what, what they will say to you is no, that any, any, not. any money exchanged is for time only. Anything that happens oh. between us 
is that's the is, legalities i see yeah exactly and nick Those, of course you've paid for sex you've never paid rachel to dinner or some nice gift like i'm not currently paying for it <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're I'm permanently not paying for it. when the ring no. goes on it's a long-term <laughs> payment plan but... yeah, i suppose you're true i mean i'd pay in labor i suppose yes right. this, so that this... was a new one i've never been offered uh prostitution through any oh of that's your first guys. time yeah Oh, I've been offered a few times. Really? What, how did one, time, you? one time, okay, what, here's the, oh, you're going to love this story. So, you know the 7-Eleven by, by the Space Needle yeah, on Danny Way? I do, yes. So, I go into the 7-Eleven. It's late night. I, I come out, and uh, I'm just, like, standing there, and I'm eating a chip, which, just kind of looking around and that sort of thing. <laughs> looking all sexy. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm eating an ice cream sandwich and two, uh, inside two chocolate chip cookies. I mean, how sexy can I actually look? Right? Yeah, that's pretty hot, man. All right. And, and yeah. I, look, I, look, I look to my right towards that gas station that's there, and there's a payphone. And I see this chick wearing little tiny shorts and a, like, a little jacket, and she gives her the pinky wave. Is that code? And, uh, I don't know. And, uh, and I, I kind of look around, and I point to myself like, me? And she nods herself, nods her head. Yes, right. You want to bite of my chip witch? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So we we start we start talking, and and then uh, and she says, "Hey, do you have a place we can go to around here?" I'm like, "Oh my god, this is fucking amazing! I can't believe this is hot." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so so then we're walking towards where I'm staying at the time, and then she stops me, turns pause, towards me, pause. Paused. What he now you're walking towards where you're staying. So you obviously said to her, Yeah, I got a place right down the street. Yeah. There was no other conversation. No other conversation at that point. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. We'll go back to my place. Let's let's go, right? So we're walking. <laughs> right? You thought you were the bomb that night, huh? <laughs> yeah, you damn right I did. No so flirting, no nothing. Okay. So that so then we're walking and she stops me and she turns and she takes my hand pulls out a tit and puts my hand on her tit. And I'm like, I can't even effing believe this. I'm like, dear Penthouse Forum, I never thought it would happen to me, but... Uh, right? Yeah. I, and then all of a sudden, and then, and then she's, and then that's when she says, uh, you know, by the way, you know, I'm going to need some money for all this. And it was at that moment when the anvil fell out of the sky and hit me in the head. <laughs> and it was that, that sunlight dawns upon Marblehead New England moment where I feel like, Oh, wait a minute. This isn't what I thought it was. <laughs> so how do you get out? Oh, he took I told her, his wallet and gave her a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told, I, I told her I spent the last of my money in, in a seven 11 and I still <laughs> had my, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And then, you want and the then, rest of my chip witch though? We can uh, hear it. So you you had you a buck seventy-five. <laughs> oh no, I had I had money. I just that was my lie. Although I've got to oh my god. Here, here's another one. You're gonna love this one. You're gonna love oh this one. Gosh. Okay? Yeah. So I used to work in Belltown at Second and Bell. And um in the back of our back of this computer store where I worked, there was this alley where they would I'd throw the trash out and that sort of thing. And there was a hooker out there one time. Because there's always hookers all over Belltown, and they're crackhead hookers and that sort of thing. I I feel like I've never seen a hooker in Seattle. I obviously just think she oh. was some local grunge chick, apparently. But go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah. then, so then, so then, this chick walks over to me and she says, "Hey, how you doing? Need a date?" Oh. <laughs> now, now, mind you, my my my, uh, my audio is not cutting out. This woman, <laughs> this woman speaks like that because she's deaf. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. And, and so I'm like, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm okay. And then she starts offering me all sorts of services. And then she reaches down and she picks up something and starts picking her teeth in front of me. And what I notice she's picking her teeth with and sucking the food off the, off the, off this thing. It's a pigeon feather. What? She deaf or blind? What are we saying? Uh, she's deaf. Okay. And then, and then I said to her, I said, she's Oh no. Deaf. I said, I said, I only have like, Eight dollars and fifty cents, and she says to me, "Okay, I'll take it." Oh, <laughs> oh. And, I said, and I was, and I'm just like, you know what? I, I, I got to get back to work. And I ran inside as quick as I could, and I shut the, the door behind me. Oh, oh my gosh, dude! Oh. How yeah. about online, though? I can somewhat understand these shenanigans walking around a major city. Has anyone ever solicited oh, yeah. you for prostitution on one of these dating apps? Snapchat, in particular, uh, you'll get not a dating get- app. Okay, um, well, not a dating app. Uh, Backdoor? Didn't you, you use that? Like, hold on, pause. pause <laughs> Who are, what random stranger are you talking to on Snapchat that was soliciting you, and how did that whole thing start? All of a sudden, they start following you, and then they send you a message, and they're like, hey, you know, hey there, cutie, how you doing? And oh, that is that how thing. Snapchat works? I'm not on that thing. I just thought it was a I, one-way or two-way communication, like Skype. Yeah, I, I got on it because this chick I was talking to for a while who lived in Vegas was on there, and... I was, see. Okay. She worked well, a lot of hours. And, Speaking and, of our social media, now that we're on Instagram and Twitter, we constantly, and I, it's not just us, obviously, but we are constantly getting, you know, solicitations from porn sites. Like some of these oh, humans yeah. that you follow, they're actually just porn bots. And yep. as soon as you yes. follow them, you get, you know, these click on my link for my picture. I know yeah. that was going on. I've realized because yeah. I'm going to other podcast page, including some of the Seattle ones we know. And I'm following their people because I figure some of them will remember us from Seattle. But apparently about half the people on BJ or the men's room things are just auto sex bots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. For sure. I guess they all create numbers, though, that generate advertising. So yes. we'll be kind to our bots. Yes, <laughs> like we will. Fine click, so. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my other new dating experience this week. Hit up for prostitution. I know. Um, I was curious about prices, but I'll, I'll leave that out. Not Have for you... myself. I'm just always curious because I live I, I live in California, but Nevada's right there and I actually work in Nevada. So there's brothels all over the place, obviously. And those prices that I've heard, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars for just oh, yeah. girls, top two shelf. grand if you want anal or something. Like top shelf, top shelf girls. Dude. Well, more top shelf. I don't know that they're Vegas style prostitutes. You know, it's like the Moonlight Bunny Ranch from the famous HBO show. It's yeah, like, we're that way. And yeah, the price. I would never, ever pay $1,000 to get off. Screw that. Well, if you get a chance, there's a lady that is online who is at, <laughs> I think she's at the Bunny Ranch. Her name is Alice Little. Yeah. And Tell her Brewski sent you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's a very attractive lady, but she makes millions of dollars as... Um, yeah, I can I can see that. You know, um, and they actually I think CNBC did a, a story about her and, and everything. Um, well, if you're charging that, a grand a pop, even if you're doing ten dudes a week, ten grand a week, forty grand a month, I mean, yeah, that would all add up. Some no, of that she, goes to the house, you know. The, yeah, I think sure. it's expensive to be at the Bunny Ranch, you know. But yeah, you're making a shit ton of cash. That's for sure. Let me well, ask you guy's name who started Dennis Hoff is that? Yeah, yeah he started? died. He yeah, died. he died recently after he. He tried to died. go well he was running Trump political yes he was on the ballot and they voted him in he was dead he on was dead day and he won the fucking yeah. election That's that shows you I how he was like republicans he was like, he was like strom thurmond 
Yes, voting a dead guy in. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, a quick side note here: Are either of you on OnlyFans? I honestly have yes. heard about it, but I'm not. I've never gone to the website, but I keep seeing these stories about these women making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year on OnlyFans. I know yeah. what it is. I'm not on it, but you do you pay for? And by the way, I'm not saying I'm above that. I'm not above it at all. I just actually <laughs> I haven't gone to check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I think that that'd be a little odd for a married guy. I think I feel like it is anyway to be interacting with you know people like yes telling yes, them to do odd. stuff right so well, i'm not on it but i know what it is porn porn is free people why do you, what's the attraction it's just one-on-one -on -one? well, well i no. mean you can it's a private show but you can also tell them things to do uh, okay brewski i know you know but, about this well but the other thing about only fans though too is is that uh it's not always all nudity and that sort of thing like there's a there's a professional wrestler not a name, uh, well, a female professional. Also, I'll leave it. I won't give give out her name, um, but she just does like bikini stuff and all that sort of thing. And who the fuck is paying for that? You were pathetic if you're paying to see a woman in a bikini. <laughs> How do you know Brewski's not paying for it? Brewski, stop if you are. Come on. <laughs> I, 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 I was. So here, so here's the thing. I, I've been You're a fucking fan of asshole, dude. I'm sorry. Maybe <laughs> if you just loved her as the wrestler or something, but why? Why would you? I mean, porn is free and infinite. no, no, no. That's that. That. But that's the thing is, I like her as a wrestler. But then she's also a second generation wrestler, and her father was one of my favorites growing up. So are you interviewing her, or are you telling her to? No, not neither. Neither. I don't. I don't pay for the, like the upper echelon stuff, or I wasn't okay. paying for. Right. I was just paying for like two bucks a month, and you get to see the pictures. I see. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. forgive you two dollars a month then. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's like, but then if you want <laughs> if you want other access, then you have to pay for that. And some ladies actually don't do the like the nudity and the sex and all that sort of thing. Oh, uh, you know. Although I did find somebody from TV who is on OnlyFans now, and I actually. Bought a month subscription, which cost me fifteen dollars, because I was dying to see her completely. Can I naked. guess who it is? Yes. Uh, uh, national or local TV? National, right? National TV, and yeah. I will tell you the channel that this person was on, the Discovery Channel. Uh, this is my question: Is it Danielle? No, but I would. <laughs> okay, Who, who's because Danielle? she's on OnlyFans. Uh, Danielle from American Pickers. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched oh. the show, Steve. Oh, but she's, she's she now, doing hardcore stuff. She's on, on OnlyFans no, now. Burlesque stuff okay. and nudity, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No. Do you well, want so to who's yours, Brewski? Her name was uh, Christy Brimberry. Don't know her. She she was on um, the TV show Fast and Loud. It's a car building it. show. Oh. Okay. And. And she's got like tattoos and like this really short hair. She was the office manager, didn't take any bullshit, but she is H A W T. Like, do you, you see her believe. naked on there? Is she fully nude? Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So I know that uh, on some of these OnlyFans sites, it'll just be a woman or a man, I suppose. I don't know if they, I don't know if everyone does it or what, but whoever the person is, maybe taking care of things solo for you yes but then there's also like full-on corn stars you know doing it up i mean there's yeah. full-on scenes that they do right in front of you so yep yep absolutely and by the way i don't begrudge any woman making money doing that you know like if i could just shake my naked body and make hundreds of thousands or millions uh, i would not be putting all the effort into this talk show how do you know you can't dude have you ever tried it 
uh, like you said, I guess if there's the uh, the male side of OnlyFans, maybe I'll there is. That, but, well, uh, Aaron Carter uh, pulls in, but I'm not going to uh, earn that kind of money. I'm a 46 year old pasty white dude. Oh, you never dude, know, Steve. Dude, well, there's, there's, there's something for everyone out there on the internet. So exactly. There is, and I and a lot of people. I mean, that Aaron Carter, the he just, uh, from what I understand, the Backstreet Boy <laughs> or Insync or whatever he was in, Aaron Carter, that one. <laughs> yes, he just jacks off. He just jerks off on camera plays with his dick and and he has hundreds of thousands of people tune in for it wow can't write a song anymore huh uh one well, of the I, will I saw being interviewed she was just feet only and was making hundreds of thousands yeah. oh yeah yes yeah a lot of fetish stuff going on yeah. now i will say this i would absolutely you said you wouldn't pay a thousand dollars to get off i would absolutely drop fifteen hundred dollars to have sex with sarah J. Who's Sarah J? Is that the woman you speak? Oh, oh no, no, she, she's she's a, a porn star that 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 escorts too. Yeah, don't and, don't and, assume I know all these women. How dare? Oh my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're would, a dirty bastard. Dude. I, I would, know I them would, by sight. I don't memorize names. So. I would I would drop fifteen hundred bucks for her easy. Absolutely. What do you really mean though? to hook up with her? Yes. Uh, you know tell that's me not this, Bruski. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, how would you prepare for that whole thing? I mean. What would go into the night's preparation to make sure the session lasted and and it was everything you hoped for? Your money's spending working. almost two grand. Oh, wow, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean let's get real about this. I suppose, get some donations. I, I suppose I might, I, might, I might do what the hoaxer always told us. You know, no. train, say my prayers, eat my vitamins. You know, that thing. <laughs> no, you should something about Marriott, maybe. You know, jerk off repeatedly before the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Woogie told. Um, What's his name to do that in um there's something about Mary? That's what I just yes. yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's good advice, oh. but all we right. Well you we can uh, get the money. You want together. to paint a picture for us? Or yeah, maybe we should go fund you. I bet we no, 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 that's okay. I'll, 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 I'll do it on my own. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're taking on the conquest, you're gonna do it. I don't know. Is she <laughs> open? Is that an option? I bet What's she's that? more than fifteen hundred bucks if she's a porn. No, player. no, no, no. She she I look up on her site. I'll, I'll look it up actually. Okay. Half hour, fifty uh, bucks again. Fifteen hundred bucks. I suppose I've paid significantly more over the course of relationships and whatnot, and left significantly traumatized too. So maybe it's cheaper and easier just to pop the grand and pop one. Yeah. Be done. Maybe so. All right. Well, Steve, uh, congratulations on your first uh, hookup offer. Solic yeah. Solicitation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big boy now. Did you now, have you, it? Have All you right. learned? Have what? Steve, have you learned fly fly eagles fly yet? I have no idea what that is. Well, the your the lady, the attorney lady, she's an Eagles fan, and if you really want to get in good with her, you have to. That's the song that they sing after they score a touchdown uh, in Philadelphia. Okay, fly Eagles fly. Well, I don't know what's going on with that lawyer right now. I'm currently oh. in the midst of. I don't want to call it full on ghosting, but um, I sent a friendly little text this past Ooh. Friday night, just saying like, you know, hope you have a great weekend. Uh, you know, cheering for the Eagles on Sunday. <laughs> I got no reply, no reply at all. And then might I add, you did not wait for your uncle Nicky to get back to you on that. You took too fucking long. I texted Nick ahead of time to ask oh, if boy. I should. It had been a week. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to just ghost her and vanish. So yeah. I thought, yeah, I texted Nick and I'm like, dude, I got the seven to nine thing and, you know, you're taking too long. So, 
So I just sent the text and yeah, no reply. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask a question, I suppose, but you usually give some courtesy, a little reply to that. Right. So now what did you say? It was just have a great weekend. I think I said, happy Friday. I hope you have a great weekend and I'll be cheering for the Eagles on Sunday. That's what I said. No reply. No reply. So now I'm in that mystery texting dating game of why isn't she replying? Am I annoying her? Is she, you know, maybe there's some crisis. Maybe she, maybe her phone died. Like, fuck, I hate this fucking game of dating. Listen, dude. Oh, I know. You cannot send anything else to that lady until it is uh, 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 to reach out for a date, you know. And this is what I'm talking about, the, the the games, the craftsmanship, and the overthinking. Because, yeah, now I'm like, well, fuck, you didn't reply, so now I can't be pathetic and send you another text until I get yeah. from you. Or, yes, a few weeks have gone by, and I'm like, hey, how's the dog doing? Are we ready to do this date or what? So, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's. I told you guys that as I'm going out in this dating world, that if I feel I have a valid second dating material option, like the lawyer – that that's where I want to put my energy. I want to go, I want to meet her again. I want to get the update, find out what life is before I start doing all these other random dates out there. Yeah. But then, yeah, I got uh, pseudo ghosted by her, which I'm not giving up by any means, but that's not a great sign that I didn't get a smiley face back or something. Yeah. You you never know, dude. You never know what anyone's doing or going through. You don't. I mean, she really uh, could just be tangled up with personal shit. Or she's thinking I'm coming on too strong or, you know, I have to assume this woman thinks something's up with me. Like just out of the blue, I came back two and a half years later. Maybe she's been thinking about it and is like, I don't want to be second option or whatever. I mean, who knows? This is the problem. Here's who the thing, knows? dude. Or maybe she's like mind. Nick. She typed a reply and never hit send because you do that to me all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it happens, dude. I'm still really? working with an iPhone 8. Yeah. Oh, he does it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Hours oh, go I forgot by, to but... hit send on that. Yeah. I always forget. <laughs> you forgot to hit send. Yeah. Uh, hey, we'll see. Yeah. Listen. Oh, fuck. What was that? Something just oh, fell my off my neck. Fucking light fell down, dude. You guys take the wheel for a minute. That's <laughs> that was fun. I don't know if the Zoom, uh, I don't think it was recording at the time, but something just went crashing down behind Nick in his video. So. <laughs> he's repairing his studio yeah. yeah that's funny so anyways yeah brewski so now i'm being oh. ghosted so the problem is this then puts me back into the internet dating world thinking like well maybe i don't have a viable viable second date option so maybe i do start to pursue other things and this is where I start to get myself in a little bit of trouble, potentially. Okay. The moment you start to uh, pursue other things is when she's going to write back, dude. Well, then she should be writing back any old minute now. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Is your studio haunted? Why is that lamp falling? I don't, I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's my on-air light, too. I don't. Maybe that's telling us something. By the way, I think my air? house might be haunted that I just moved into. Really? Really? I've got a piece of pottery on my kitchen table. It's sitting in the middle of a silver tray that came from. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. It's my grandma, my dead grandmother's silver tray. Oh. And it, the pottery is something my daughter made. And I always put it in the middle. It's like the centerpiece on the table. Every other fucking day I go down there and the pot is off of the silver tray and it's just sitting on the table. And I keep assuming it's my kids. <laughs> I swear to God, it was off the tray this morning and I'm home alone this week. Like, I keep th- like Dawson. You think my eight pound cat is picking up a pot and putting it off gently to the side of the tray? Uh, yeah, I think he's. Uh, there's a lip on the tray. Like you couldn't just push. Yeah, it, it would tumble over. 
I'm gonna. I got to figure this out. I got to ask my kids. Have you ever moved that thing? You, you better get a camera in your house. I was gonna dude. say you want a camera in there. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder. So call down anyway. to Las Vegas and call Zach Bagans. Do little ghost adventures up at the the harness holes. It's the last thing I need. I mean, if it's my dead grandma, that's cool. She was nice, but otherwise, okay, I don't need yeah. spirits roaming around here. So. <laughs> So, anyways, yeah. It, yeah. nobody was murdered in that house or anything, right? How would I know? I yeah, know. you wouldn't know. Hey, dude, listen. Yeah, uh, please expand. <laughs> please expand. Uh, you're you're reaching out to people now uh, in honesty and affection. Are you looking for connection? I don't know what other people. When it comes to not second date material, I have to just keep my options open. And maybe <laughs> it's just dating around. Maybe it's someone I wasn't thinking I was looking for that type or whatever it is. So, you know, I've become a little more discriminatory on my internet dating. You know, people that don't quite meet my standards, I've just gotten rid of them. And I've got a few viable people on the hook. But I was kind of slow rolling them because of the lawyer. I didn't want to set up second dates, right? <laughs> now, first yes. of all, a woman who looks dead on for Angelina Jolie, who lives in my town, the other end of the lake, but is here. She reached out and did this whole like, hey, it was on Bumble. And she was mm -hmm. like, you know, I wanted to contact you because I don't want the 24-hour clock to expire because that's another Bumble thing. If you don't start the chat within 24 hours, it goes away. And she's like, hey, I see you're into podcasting and, you know, all this stuff. She's like, you know, let, let's talk. And she's fucking gorgeous. And I wrote back, nice. and now it's three days, and I, I've heard nothing. She seemed like all exuberant and uh you know trying to contact me and now back to this game like now i messaged her and now she's not replying so what the fuck is she she's some russian uh you know spy is this real blah, blah. uh what's the appropriate time dude i mean uh do you think she's gonna she's sitting watching it i mean I, and that's an honest question do you think after she's yeah. just like I would hope that women that are actively messaging people at least every day or two or checking the app to see if somebody replied to them but I've also heard from a lot of women that say, I check this thing once every other week, you know. Yeah, she could be on other dates, dude. Well, yeah, that's true. But still, she came after me. So no reply, no nothing. Well, so what's the appropriate amount of time where you're just going to delete her? Oh, she's smoking. So she's not getting <laughs> deleted. But I, like we were just saying, like, I'm not replying again. I did a reply until I hear back from you. I'm not going to reach out again or I start to look pathetic. So I'll let that one yeah. sit. But mm, I hope she replies because she's 37 and looks like Angelina Jolie, the big full lips, the same. Ooh, hair, yeah. She is cute, dude. She like is I said, cute. She's, she's on the other end of the lake. So, uh, so that's good. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. How long of a drive is that? Uh, about 45 minutes. Okay. So, not too bad. But um, yeah, so then I uh, I made contact with uh, <laughs> another woman this week, and this is the uh, the story Nick's waiting to hear about. Oh boy! First of all, let me just describe her stats to you, Brisky. She oh. is she's a cute blonde. Uh, she's okay. forty nine, but does not look forty nine. Uh, I'm forty six, so that's you know appropriate dating age range that we've all talked about. Agree. Okay. Uh, she's five foot three, so she's little, but she's one hundred and fifteen pounds. She's an nice. avid, you know, mountain climber. She's got a smoking body, good shape, very cute. She's a uh, lefty liberal, uh, easy to talk with. Uh, you know, lots of good stats. That all that nice. All okay, good, good, good. yeah. For the, for the you know first date material, right? Any bad ones or? And it, well, um, we may have discussed this woman on a previous episode. You may know her as the uh, the suicide girl. Yeah. No. This brisky. Yes. This was the woman who said she was sober and was messaging me at all hours of the day with incoherent messaging and calling oh. me on video calls at three in the morning and clearly was not sober. And I thought she was 
she sent me lyrics to an Imagine Dragon song that was about suicide and a drug a drug addiction and all this stuff. So and she wanted to go naked hot tubbing in the forest yes. Ooh, or something. Yes. Naked sunbathing nice. yeah, in the middle yeah. of the desert. And yeah. So I don't know. I uh I've kept this woman going on Bumble because she I don't know, it, it's sort of it's kind of fun in a weird way. I I don't have to solve everyone's problems in this world. So what do you mean? It's fun like talking to old idiots on the on on the overnight at the radio station that yeah. type of fun yes like when, when nick and i would do radio when drunken people would call or people that you just felt like well i got my shit more together than you do there's something uh, some sort of superiority complex that comes into play there where i don't feel like i have to use my first date etiquette and manners and beat around the bush and i i just you know i, I yeah i was just calling it like i see it with this woman so the other night she's been calling me off and off and I could tell she was, you know, obviously off the wagon. But uh, the other night when I was driving home from San Francisco, I had like a four hour car ride and she calls me during the car ride. And I'm looking at my caller ID on my, you know, Apple CarPlay and I'm thinking like, you know what? I got a long car ride ahead of me. Let's do, <laughs> let's do a little vocal minority style interviewing of this woman. And, um, you know, I answer the phone and it was funny. You know, the first time you normally talk to someone, you're you're doing the first date thing. You know, you're using your manners and etiquette. <clears throat> I just yeah. went right in on this woman of like, you know, so what the fuck? Like, why are you, what are you calling me at three? And then what the hell's going on here? Well, what are you drinking? How much are you drinking? And, I mean, we just kind of hit the ground running, just got into this whole conversation. And she was, she was good with the banner back and forth of you being direct and kind of an asshole. At very first, I could tell she seemed a little caught off guard by it, but just like I do on the radio or whatever, like I just kept pushing through and I just plowed through the conversation. I was steering the whole thing and asking blunt and direct questions. And it took her a minute or two, but she kind of warmed up to it. It was almost like that. Oh, like the man's taking control kind of thing. <laughs> uh, let's see where this goes. And she, you know, we started talking about, you know, her drinking, which is fucking a lot. Like she's leaving Las Vegas, Nicholas Cage style. Like she gets the tremors when she doesn't drink. She drinks two. What did she say? Pints. pints, two pints, two pints is what she normally drinks in a night. That's a fucking lot, right? Yeah, those are the smaller bottles, but yeah, that, that, that's that's a lot. It's a lot for a woman of her size. A hundred and fifty yes. pound woman drinking two yeah, pints yeah, yeah. of uh, vodka or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And she's trying to quit, but it's not going very well. And the reason she called me that night, she was like, you know, uh, my hands are shaking. I don't want to go to the store. So I figured if you and I talked, like, you know, <laughs> you'll, you'll keep me from going to the store. So... Like I said, we just keep talking about random shit and I'm asking her about, you know, your ex-boyfriends and, you know, how is he, you know, you know, uh, her ex, she just described as the worst guy. And I'm like, well, he must be good in bed then. And she was like, oh God, no. Like, you know, he's yeah, you know, terrible in bed and all the stuff. And I'm like, God, lady, like, you know, you got to know how to treat a woman. Right. I said, you know, if I, <laughs> if a woman doesn't orgasm with me, I go chug some Gatorade and you get back in there and you get that job done. Right. Like sex should be a like a ballet it should have the the intro and the the you call it a like describing my you know sexual philosophies to her and she's like getting all intrigued and and then she's like are you some you know conservative idiot i'm like no baby lefty liberal right here and i start running through my you know, liberal credentials and then she starts talking news with me and she's like who's the the guy that's the uh, the transportation director and I'm like, oh, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Like, damn. Like, oh, you're good. You know news. I'm like, lady, this is what I what I do in part for a living. So we're talking politics and all this stuff. And 
we get to a point where she said something dumb about her, you know, ex-boyfriend. And I was just like, well, what kind of guy are you looking for? And she was like, based on this phone call, you, she's like your voice, first of all, oh my God, like the way you talk and your smooth tones, which I hear that a lot. So that's, <laughs> and, and she's like, you're smart, you know, you know, your politics and we agree on all this stuff. And it, it sounds like, you know, how to take care of a woman. I'm like, all right. And, and then <laughs> this is where it gets fun. Oh boy. She's like, how how would you how do you take care of a woman like give me a little oh. more, uh, detail on that and so i start telling her just i run through what i consider to be a standard operating procedure on how you should uh seduce and uh foreplay sure. and you uh, i'm about maybe a minute and a half into just describing how i like to handle a woman and i start to hear hmm. oh she nice. turns on a vibrator yeah she yeah says, I hope you don't mind. I took my vibrator out. <laughs> Gentlemen, this woman totally orgasmed on the phone with me. Well, I'm not even phone sexing her per se. I'm just describing how I think a woman should be treated. Okay. Well, this I, is good. So how, how it's long? It's good except for the fact that she's a raging alcoholic. <laughs> Listen, yes, go ahead. Did you have a boner? While she was doing it, you know, at one point she's like, you should, you know, feel free to join. And I'm like, lady, I'm driving up a windy mountain pass in my my car. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not, not going to happen. But uh, I said, I'll, I'll keep talking. Like, you know, you're having fun. And it was like that scene in the Howard Stern movie where the woman was on the speaker. It was just like, you know, Clay, you know, just get louder and louder. Oh, Howard. <laughs> exactly what fucking happened, man, as I'm just talking to this woman. And then the funniest part was. The, the, I dropped the phone call at that point because I'm driving up the mountains. So I hear this woman oh. climax and then the phone drops dead. Well, and man, it took what me another, it? well no. So I, uh, I, well, it kind of was it. Yeah. I got home and I sent her a message or two, like, you know, Hey, I'm home now. And total silence. She, I can tell you exactly what happened. She blacked she out. Came. No, she came. And then she went out to go get a drink. Like she wanted, you know, like oh. sex or something. Cause she yeah. was sober during all of this. So she disappeared for like an hour. Uh, I sent her a message saying I'm going to bed, but then I was getting messages from her all night long, sending me pictures and not even like naked pictures. Like oh. she was sending me pictures of her climbing mountains. I think she was almost like, let me show this guy. I'm a real person too, huh. but she clearly was drunk. So her efforts to stay you know, sober that night failed epically failed yeah. in part because yeah, she was so intrigued by me. She climaxed on the phone playing with herself and uh, nice. a good hard drink after that. This oh. and the, you know what I started giving Steve a little bit of shit for this when he I didn't hear the whole story but I you know I heard some of it I heard pieces okay. and I started giving Steve a little shit. Here is my thought and yeah. my concern, both yeah. only because I care about you. There's and, a lot to and, be concerned with here. So I understand. <laughs> yes, uh, if you and this is an honest question, I'm not making a statement. I'm asking a question for both of you are a great people to answer okay. if you have something that you're looking for if you're not investing your time into just that is it the best thing like do you, uh, uh, do you think it's okay do you think you're gonna get where you wanting to go fast enough if you're gonna slow down for this detour to fuck around with the crazy girl i could answer that 10 ways like is it what i want no but like I was saying earlier, if I don't have a valid second date material out there, then I may as well either be celibate alone and just, you know, do nothing or why not play the field? I'm 46. I'm yeah. free, I'm snipped. Like, why not go have some fun and go into it with the idea that not every date has to lead to a wedding? Exactly. Uh, I think that's healthy, dude. I 
think yeah. that's a, I think that's a healthy way to think about it for sure. And kind of like doing uh, the practice coffee date. Like maybe I just need to get one under my belt. You know what I mean? Like go have a little fling and uh, get it done and then be serious. But you know, you know what though? I will tell you that sometimes people that you kind of just go to hook up with, yeah. they become either things, things sometimes can develop into more than sure. And other, and other, and other times that person can become an incredible friend of yours. All like, possible. Like, 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 like someone that you would reach out to like a female version of Nick almost. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like the woman was truly, really easy to talk to. And once I yeah. broke down all that first date bullshit and we were just talking like real humans, it was definitely yeah. an easy conversation and fun. No but... pretense. You, you, you no. both, complete, you're just letting it fly and, yeah, and exactly. whatever happens. Cause if she says, you know, fuck you, I'm off the phone. You're like, okay, big deal. Whatever. Yeah. You have nothing to lose. These are some words of wisdom, Brewski. And maybe I can save her. Maybe I can. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Listen, listen, dude. <laughs> listen. I know you know that's what you, I know you think that's what I'm thinking, but it's not. Uh, there's a part of you in there that will get sucked into that. I guarantee you. If she, uh, Listen, if you show up and she's a sweetheart and she's fucking great in bed, you will get yeah. sucked into being like, oh, maybe it's just this. And I'm here to tell you, dude, it's with a wife who though. has say again it's about expectations like normally when i get sucked in with women i've been with that have had bad past it's because i want a relationship with this woman so i'm wondering if i approach it differently if i won't give a shit about solving her problems you're incapable dude you're incapable and that's i mean that's part of being (laughs) a that's the liberal nice guy that you are you care about people too much all i'm offering is a uh to be careful as i uh you know only have experience with alcoholism through my wife's parents who both died before the age of 57. So they were like hardcore alcoholics that drank themselves to death. Not, not the project you're looking for at this time in your life. No, I know that. Yeah. Bruce, so I was said, you know, Steve might be the guy that, to, that kind of encourages her to stop drinking. Yeah. I, Bruce, I, I, what is maybe, wrong maybe. with you, dude? Do not feed this fucking beast. <laughs> Listen, Listen me, I was dude. already, I suppose, on that first call trying to talk her down a notch of like, why can't you just have two drinks? Why do you have to have the whole fucking bottle? But but then part of me is like, I'll mix you a fucking drink if you're going to have yeah. fun. Like, <laughs> Play bartender. Right. I mean, I have to stop trying to solve everyone's problems and look at every relationship as leading to a wedding. So <laughs> yeah, if I'm you going know what? to go that route, this might be the perfect one. You're also focusing on solving your own fucking problems. And and I don't think this is a good addition to come in the door. One of them is I haven't gotten laid in a few months, and I feel bad saying that uh, to Bruce based on your previous admission. But, that's okay. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all good. I'm in the early stages of going without. Like, I'm I'm jonesing. Yeah. Like, when you hit a certain point, it becomes, you know, a little easier. I think. Are you going nuts for it, thinking about it all the time? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I, have, I have moments with passengers in my car. Uh, what was it? Uh, Saturday night. I had four girls yes. in my car. Four girls in my car. One of them sitting next to me with this skirt that's barely covering anything at all. Mm-hmm. Tiny, blonde, and that sort of thing. And she <laughs> kept saying to me, "Oh, you're so funny!" And then she's touching my arm. Oh. And then and she's like, and, and she said, "How old did you say you were?" I said, "I'm 51." She's like, "You could? I thought you were 30." And that sort of thing. And she's getting out of my car and she's blowing me kisses and everything. And I'm just like. I might need a few minutes to myself right now. <laughs> it really she got you charged up. Holy jeez, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, well that, so, yeah, that, that, that ride was that ride was totally three thumbs up. Wow. <laughs> up what? 
exactly. <laughs> so I don't know, Nick. What are your uh, what are your thoughts and concerns? Obviously, uh, there's some uh, major red flags here. But, yes, dude. But besides Listen. the raging alcoholism, she yeah. seems like a nice, fun woman. It's exactly. Yeah. You know what? I've gone and looked at cars, and besides from the rust, boy, it's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. car. Steve. You know, and it's gonna fucking fall apart. But if you're just taking the car out for a lap around the block, what do you fucking care about rust? It's not going to rust that quickly. Because once I've taken it for a fucking ride around the block, I'm connected with this being and and I and I start to care. And I, I no. hey, listen, I know <laughs> one person, one person that you have gone over and just I, I don't know a better way to say it. I've just treated like a whore. Yeah, and, I remember. Yeah. Okay, and and <laughs> you drove home and fucking laid in your shower for an hour to yeah. undo the dirty. I gotta stop oh. telling you all my stories. <laughs> <laughs> Nick told me the other day. He's like, dude, if this woman kills herself and you're the last one she was with, the cops are calling you. And I was like, Nick, I hear you. Use a fake name. Good advice. <laughs> <Thank you." laughs> oh boy! You At know, the same time, dude. Go be yourself and have fun. I, I just want to. I want to put my vote in for be careful, please. Maybe please. it's not a one night stand though. Maybe it's just a little friends with benefits sort of thing. You get together every now and again, have a couple of drinks. I don't know. You're right though. I know I'm not gonna like it. But put it in. Know. Maybe I've gotten older. Maybe I've matured into a. <laughs> in the last if you, if you, if you go, promise me that if you go over there and you bring her vodka, do not spend the money on the good stuff. Just buy a plastic bottle of Burnett's and call it good. Yeah, that's my sound advice too. So okay, I was don't... thinking I'll take her to one of my favorite bars up here, but that's going to cost me hundreds if she's drinking oh, but, two pints. But even, but even not even that. Just what if she starts showing up to if you, if you like to drink that place? Don't take her where you want, where you like to go to, because yeah. she might start going there. And next thing you know, it you're there with the chick, and then she comes over like, "Hey, Steve, you didn't call me." Yeah, yeah you know. Listen, possible. We don't live in the we same. We're just town, talking but, about oh, fixing oh. her. Now you're, and now you're drenching her in alcohol. <laughs> now you're feeding her addiction. Kind well, of, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just what yeah. I'm saying. I'm not here to fix her. So yeah, let's go uh, have a couple drinks. What do I care? I'm not. I'm not. I'm and, not your priest, you know. And I, and on top of that, if you are going to take the car out for a drive, right? You got to put gas in it, right? You know, a couple you got to fuel it up. And she said right. at one point, by the way, when prior to her asking me to break down my uh, my methods and all that, she said something to the effect of, "If we meet up for drinks, I'm definitely fucking the shit out of you." Nice. So these are tempting things to have dangled in front of a lonely single man, Nick. Oh, yeah. I understand, dude. I get it. I get it. Man has needs. Right. So, well, like I said, the uh, the attorney ghosting is what has sort of started tilting me down this path of like, well, maybe I should be exploring other options. But uh, yeah. well, maybe you should just tell her straight out. Uh, hey, I don't want to fuck around talking anymore. Like, let's just get together tonight and I'm going to rail you and then you'll have it out of your system. Yeah, that could be. The other problem, too. And then you'll call her the next day and ask her how she's <laughs> feeling and ask her if she needs a muffin because she has a hangover. And then you'll take it over and then you'll give her a little massage. And then you're caring for her, trying to take care of her. All right. So don't care for her. Okay. This is good dating advice. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to do with any of this crap. All I know is dating sucks. So, uh, But yeah. that's uh, that's the latest in the world of internet dating in the last week. Ghosting, prostitution, 
raging alcoholics that want to bang me and super hot women that are now ignoring me after looking for me originally. So, uh, we can Hashtag be dating sucks. <laughs> you've, you've run the gamut, Steve. You've run the gamut. Right. So we'll see what happens between now and next week's episode. No telling. Brewski's been at this for a while, dude, and he's learned how to live nice little system. I, you know, I've been chopping up all these little clips to put on our social media stuff. And I chopped up the clip of you admitting that you, uh, not admitting, confessing to us. We didn't pry it out of you, um, that you have not had sex in seven years. And part of me felt terrible about posting that on the internet because I don't care. Seems vulnerable and personal, but you, you shared it with the world already. Yeah. Yeah. Anything I share on the show is fair game. Well, good. So I feel a little less guilty, but dude, that video is getting a lot of play on a lot of those platforms. Like yeah. people, are, people are intrigued by it. Well, yeah, they're not, not only intrigued, but I think there's more people that you think that can relate to it, you know, that are going through the same things, yep. you know? Yeah. The only comment it's gotten so far was one <laughs> was guy. Loser. That said, no, one guy that said uh, I, something like, I feel your brother and I got you beat. I'm at eight years. So, <laughs> okay. You know, there's definitely, yeah. That's what I mean, dude. I really do think if more people were honest with their, with what's happening in their sex life, I think it would be, you'd be surprised. I think that more people are going through exactly the, whatever you want to call it, a dry spell, a phase of life. I think a lot more people than are honest about it are out there. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the social media topics, um, should we run through a couple of our vocal minority comments? Yeah, yes. I think so. All right. So let me see. Our, our uh, First of all, I don't, this whole discussion we had about, you know, me getting the vasectomy, you know, and if women, do they love a snipped guy? Bruce and I were saying, yeah, Nick didn't think that was a thing. Oh, oh actually, it is. Oh, it's definitely a thing. And- yeah. On Tinder, there was a lady I saw recently who said that one of her, her must was that you had to be snipped. Right. And it was right there on her profile. It's See, a I don't thing. get it, though. I don't understand. I mean, I understand it for a relationship, but are you just going to show up and raw dog it with like with a suicide girl? Or are you just going to raw dog her? She's a touchy one because, you know, <laughs> I think she's done some playing in her life. If it's another woman in my situation, you've been married for all these years and now you're divorced. You've had limited interactions in the world. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. I would yeah, either absolutely. say go get your tests, or you know, be honest. You know, come on, what do you got? You got rashes? <laughs> you got any symptoms? Like what's going on? But you know, what? Yeah. But, oh, I do a physical exam myself. Don't worry. A, a, a condom could always break too. I had that good, dude. But we're just talking about extra precaution. I'm just wondering. You can do what you want. You're grown men, dude. I'm, I'm just wondering. Well, listen. As soon as I trust a woman, absolutely. Sure. I mean, the, the freedom that comes with that. Comes. I agree. No pun intended. But um, yeah, it's, it's glorious. And by it's the way, they, they hit menopause too. That's that's the best thing because then you, that's another then you really know you're, good one. However, you're those safe. tend to be fifty plus, and I'm still focusing on below fifty. So. Oh no, I actually, know you know what? More more women these days are actually hitting menopause, and they're forty exactly yeah. because because so many of them actually have started puberty a lot earlier than girls in generations past. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. I haven't encountered that yet. I will tell you the crazy one that's been stalking me. Um, she, when we were dating, I think it was 47 and she said she was just starting it, but still yeah. that's pretty close to 50. So uh, yeah, yeah, it can happen as we get older. And by the way, the uh, Angelina Jolie that came after me and is now ignoring me, her profile does say she wants children someday. So maybe she's Ooh. figured out because mine says I don't want anymore. I have and don't want more as well. How old yeah. was she? 37. That's huh. getting kind of. 
Yeah, but that's where they start to get desperate too. Late in the evening. (laughs) I had a woman reach out to me on one of those recently that um, was all back, you know, into it right away. But then she was like, oh crap, I just saw on your profile. It says you don't want any more kids. Is that true? I said, yeah, you know, I've got two. No, it's a lie. I said, well, I'm willing to be a stepdad, (laughs) but I'm not willing to make any new ones. And she was like, well, it's been nice talking to you. Like she was on there looking for a baby daddy, you know? Well, you, you know, you know, speaking of baby daddies years ago, Liza Minnelli wanted to get wanted Scott Bayo to get her pregnant. Like she put on like, had her agent her. she had her agents calling him, his agents, and like hounding him because she wanted a baby and wanted Scott Bayo to be the, the biological father. Not support the baby, just give her a baby. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I can see that. So she's lucky it didn't work, dude. Scott Bay uh, Scott Bayo's an asshole. Well, this is true. So. This is true. Yeah. Well, is Liza Minnelli dead? No, she's alive. She just looks dead. Yeah, exactly. She uh she was on I don't know, the Tonys or something and uh uh I think it was oh it was Lady Gaga that wheeled her out onto the stage. I don't know if you guys saw this. This was a couple months ago. But she got lost and confused in her wording because I think she's dealing with Alzheimer's or something similar. Sure. And I just keep thinking to myself, dude, why in those early, those late stages? Uh, Richard Pryor had a few uh, uh, things that he did at the very end of his life that I just think, yeah, why? I would just wrap it up, wrap it up, because it's it's their passion, it's what they love. It's it's it it also makes them forget about what's going on in their lives with their health. Like when they're on stage, even if it looks bad they're in their safe place and, and, and it makes them forget for just a little bit of time of what they're dealing with off stage. Do you think that's the right? Have you been told that? Or is that your opinion? That's my opinion. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- no, I, th- I, I think, see it. I, th- I, think, I think it's, it's a safe haven for them. You know, I think I'd yeah. bang Liza Minnelli. It's Liza Minnelli, right? Yeah. Why not? Put that on and your resume. And you know what? What's happening she can, with you? You know what? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Actually, oh, look, listen. I, I, I mean, I've had a thing for Nigella Lawson for for years. I, yeah, I have no idea who that is. Oh, she's British chick from the Cooking Channel and that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> but Martha Stewart was another one. Still, oh, I, I would have done her. I still. Oh would. my yeah. God! Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Oprah's always been my thing. Dude. Oh, yeah. that's that's a Nubian queen. I yeah, know. that's my Nubian queen, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not giving, I'm would you, not giving up. Now, Nikki, would would you would you buy her Izels? Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, world famous Izels. That's yeah, right. I would. Uh, well, Steve, good luck with more. everything, dude. Yeah, be careful. That's that. all I'm saying. If you're gonna raw dog that suicide girl, dude, just be real careful. Stoke it but, in vodka first. Uh, what about oral only? Yeah, that's actually a good. That's a good technique right there for her. So, yeah, mm. you make a game out of it. You've given me uh, good things to think about, and I think we've offered some uh, practical, safe sex advice to the audience. I think so as well. They can take that. Uh, moving on with our comment section. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the whole YouTube thing is really interesting. Uh, the YouTube shorts continue to give us, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of views on some of these videos. Uh, one of them that is doing very well is the uh, question, can zombies swim? I had oh. said on my dating profile that, you know, these dating profiles all have these corny questions yeah. that you can answer. And one of them is, what would you do for a zombie apocalypse? And I said, find a boat. Zombies can't swim. Go to a fucking island and life is good. Like in The Walking Dead, why did they not just go to a goddamn island? These zombies yeah. can't swim. 
Doesn't so, it gonna, it's not self-sustainable, dude. I mean, it, come on. Yeah, Nick brought that point up to me the other day. You couldn't live on an island if there's a zombie apocalypse because it's not self-sustaining. How did Gilligan's Island do it? How did Tom Hanks do it? Like, <laughs> how how does Hawaii do it? I, mean, <laughs> I didn't think about the whole Gilligan thing. Yeah, that's a that's a good question, dude. Right. So Gilligan uh, could survive. They got to get off every once in a while because they're living in a post-apocalyptic world they got to go find bullets and ammunition they gotta i mean hopefully if they're on an island farmer. if huh? they're on an island they don't need bullets they're what you don't think people are going to come and try to invade your island uh, why no. didn't think so either i mean it's 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 these are valid points but this has nothing to do with whether <laughs> zombies can swim or not yeah <laughs> that is my point what was and, and did people comment on it about whether zombies can swim? Well, one person said, but they can walk on the bottom of whatever water. Um, if they don't need to breathe, then they don't need to swim. Don't dead bodies float? Dead uh, bodies float. Yeah, that's true. But So yeah, they could drift, yeah. I guess, to your island. I would just uh, but, pick an island then that's not part of the main flow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, go to San Francisco and go out to Angel Island because yeah. if they try if they try to go into the bay, they're going to get eaten by sharks or they're oh, they're going to freeze from hypothermia. See, that's and, a good one. Or Alcatraz, because then you can lock yourself in a cell if they somehow drifted out to your island. So yeah, but no, I don't think zombies can swim. And I don't uh, think his, so either. His point: they could just basically walk across the ocean floor and eventually. No, they couldn't. You know, I don't. I don't think that would work that way. I'm pretty sure either sharks would eat them, then we'd have zombie sharks, though. That'd be scary. yeah. That's a whole other thing. And <laughs> if you get enough zombies in the water, they're going to start being able to, they're going to raise the, the pyramid the floor. Yeah, they're oh, going to pile up. Yeah, they're going to be able to walk across all their dead buddies at some <laughs> point in time. That's it's a good scientist right there. Are there enough human bodies on this planet to fill one of the oceans to the brim? Mm, somebody mm, Google that. No, no I, I would say no. Well, then I would say not. So pick a couple of fucking islands and be zombie free. Take yeah, Australia. It's a big island. Come on, they don't have guns there, right? We could take them. So, <laughs> anyways, so this guy feels they could walk across the floor. I don't agree. Okay, that's that. Um, Britain. I don't know why, but Britain has become a major topic for us on YouTube. Our top two videos right now, both with about fifteen hundred views, which I get it in the grand scheme of the internet, that's nothing. But again, we're brand new, so, so uh, but they both got queen, you know, dude. We've got north of a thousand on each of them. It started with uh, the British food, and we'll circle back to that. But then um, <laughs> I reposted this, you know, should we care when the queen died? And then that one took off and people started commenting on that. But everyone that commented, like the first person was, I genuinely do not give a fuck about the queen. The second person was, absolutely nobody should fucking care about the queen. <laughs> like, people were agreeing with me. They were just piling on. I got no crown supporters. Yeah. Well, now we know who our audience is, dude. Right. So apparently bashing on Britain is good. But the other weird thing about all the social media stuff is like those videos on YouTube uh, are our biggest videos currently, a thousand, you know, more than a thousand. But that exact same video on Facebook has like three views. Like no one gives a fuck on that platform. But YouTube, for some reason, they do. Because it's oh. old people on Facebook. That's why. Mm, yeah. That's why That's why the young kid. that's why the kids aren't on Facebook anymore. And they're all over on you know, Snapchat and, and, and that sort of thing there and Instagram. It's been interesting to watch which videos do well on which platforms. And part of it's the algorithm and what time you post it and what you tag and all that. But it's definitely topic driven too. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so then this brings us to the British food, which I, uh, I will say I posted and I tagged Gordon Ramsay in this. I'm waiting for him to hopefully come after us, but Gordon so far that hasn't happened. Gordo, where are uh, you by now? the way, I was supposed to meet Gordon Ramsay in March of 2020. Well, oh. you should have fucking got a facelift, dude. <laughs> you, <laughs> that's mean? what you should have done. <laughs> fucking Trump ruined it for you, Steve. You could have met Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, you could have met Gordon Ramsay, but it, it didn't. Mark McGrath have something to do with stealing that away that's from you? A whole different fucking thing. <laughs> no, uh, Gordon Ramsay was scheduled to come for the grand opening of Hell's Kitchen, Lake Tahoe. I was on the media list to interview him, and then COVID hit, and then all got canceled and shut down. Fucking Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. <laughs> Motherfucker. What happened? He Steve sh- hates Mark McGrath, dude. He stole my job from me. That's what fucking <laughs> happened. Here in Lake Tahoe, we do a ball drop on New Year's Eve, and the uh, events company that started the thing hired me as the famous local DJ to host the ball drop. And for okay. years and years, I was the Dick Clark of Lake Tahoe. I was okay. the ball drop in the heavenly Did you village. take pride in it? I took a lot of pride in it. I liked being the Dick Clark of Lake Tahoe. I liked being <laughs> a dick in general, but being Dick Clark, yeah. it was fun. And you're on stage with thousands of people, and you're counting down, and... Our ball was a uh, heavenly gondola car, one of the chairlifts that comes down wrapped in lights and then fireworks go off. It was a lot of fun. So we built this event up over many years and it became so fucking big that the events company lost the contract because they were required to put it out to a public bid and some other company underbid us and they fucking hired Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath to host the thing. He took my goddamn job. (laughs) And part of me was complimented that they hired a real celebrity to take over for me, but hey, fuck you, Sugar Ray. That was my gig. Is he really still a celebrity? Why don't you fly? Okay. <laughs> yes, he's still a huge celebrity, dude. And Come on, my huge, head. huge. Uh, I don't know if he's huge, but he's still a celeb, and he does a lot of TV shit, and he became a host of what? You know what? Listen, he is a big enough celebrity that when you would see him out on the street, you would know who he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you should feel good about that, that they didn't get <laughs> Tom Likas, you know, to come and replace you or something right. like that. It was Sugar Ray. It could be worse. Uh, it could have been the guy from Smash Mouth who had to stop touring because he was he went racist on stage. Yeah, it could have be been him. It could have been, been a Sugar lot Ray. of worse people. Mark, Mark McGrath's a fucking rock and roll Jeopardy champion, dude. Yeah. He is. So I mean, he, uh, he, he was stolen from a oh, formidable it, opponent. All right. If anyone out there knows Mark McGrath, tell him it's nothing personal. But if you fucking come back to Tahoe this year, <laughs> I'll be waiting for you. And I told Nick to drop you from the 90s at noon on our radio station. And I still fucking hear Sugar Ray on our station. So what's the deal? <laughs> and you know what? Uh, uh, Sugar Ray tracks sneaks in every now and again. And it seems like Steve's listening every time. He's like, seriously, you're still playing this shit. Right. Taunting me, please. <laughs> Great. Well, so anyways, uh, back to celebrities, uh, Gordon Ramsay and British food. So we posted this thing. I, I said the British food sucks because British food does suck. It's the worst cuisine on the planet. The meat is gray. There's no seasoning. They boil everything. Their food sucks. And for some reason, this sparked oh, such an ignorant comment to BT dubs only because you don't know that it's the worst <laughs> food on the planet. How much Ethiopian food have you consumed? <laughs> uh, listen, I know there are Ethiopian restaurants. How many English restaurants do you, do you see in your average neighborhood? Pubs everywhere, dude. Fish yeah, and pubs. chips. Do you Do have it up. restaurants, though? 
Yeah, but they serve food. Most of the oh. most uh, a true pub serves food. True yeah, or not, yeah. Brisky? The jo- the Georgian Dragon over over in uh, what do you call it? Fremont does. Yeah, fish and chips. That's the only thing they seem to have gotten right over there. And by <laughs> okay. the way, I started to wonder. It was just some crazy theory I had. So I Googled, "Does British food suck?" Yeah, and it's a widely held opinion that they have <laughs> the worst cuisine on the planet. Even John Oliver on his HBO show admitted, "Yeah, we have the worst fucking food on the planet." So this is not a crazy thing I came up with, but it's still it's pissed people off but wait a minute yeah. the, the, are we taking into account things like like in southeast asia where you can have like fried crickets yes. and stuff like that like yes really eat crickets over gray meat any fucking day their food's huh. sorry britain so <laughs> one comment here the guy says their meat is gray they add food coloring to make it look more appealing mm-hmm. i would concur with that although you don't think clearly. that happens in the states uh, well, maybe, but is it to cover up gray meat? Our meat, yes, you got all kind. Yeah, we, I mean, it is to make it look more appetizing in the supermarket. Well, you know, here well, all in, food does, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Here, here in Boston, every every year around St. Patrick's Day, obviously, we have corned beef and cabbage. And there's one place in particular in South Boston that actually advertises outside their bar that they serve the gray corned beef because for some reason people like the gray corned beef. I like red corned beef myself. Because it looks like real meat and that sort of thing. But the gray stuff, some people actually advertise that. And it's a drawing card for some folks. Yeah. Don't know why. I get it. Hey, do you know the corned beef did not start in Ireland? Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. The Irish, I think, started it. But they started here in America because they can only afford shitty food when they first got here. So they got the crappy corned beef and, uh, you know, tried to make it into something. But it's not actually an, an Irish uh, cuisine. No, it's 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 not. And actually, it's, it's just a real tough a tough piece of meat and so you gotta, you gotta corn it dude exactly and then you gotta let it boil for like i cook mine for no less than five hours yeah you shouldn't be boiling meat and that's just what they do there in great oh, britain so i disagree dude i love corned beef and cabbage uh oh, yes. a mutual friend stewie makes the greatest corned beef and cabbage and he really? corns it for like eight days uh yeah and then and cooks it till it's you know i like i like my corned beef to fall apart a little yes. bit you know yes. i don't want it as a slice of meat so yeah i love corn i love boiled meat dude there used to be a, there's a, say it. there's a butcher shop uh north of seattle actually where i would go and i would order a corned beef ahead of time and you tell them how big of corned beef you want and then they would cut it and then they would corn it and you would pick it up on a certain day. It would be like uh, like eight, nine days and be ready to go for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Listen, yeah. I have some good corned beef, but, you know, that's not my main point here. Let me read these next two comments back okay. to back because I find this comical. Uh, this next guy says the. That is, um, oh, and by the way, I had talked about the fact that I liked the warm beer they had over there, that all, all their beers warm and uh, that that actually was good. That was a compliment I tried to give fucking England. <laughs> but this guy says that uh, that is literally nothing like what the UK is. Many ales and lagers are chilled and the, uh, and it's clear that this person has never visited a restaurant. <sighs> and then the next comment was. Uh, I'm not always the greatest defender of our food, so they must be British, but this guy obviously has never even tried English food. Do you fucking idiots think I just made this story up for some reason <laughs> that I went to England and your food sucks and I just decided to randomly say this in the middle of a conversation? I, I, I don't know if all defense, of it can I'm just suck. I think, that's, I think that's a, the big thing. I don't think all of it can suck. I will say that Rachel no, but 90% was 90% of it does. Uh, uh, no, I don't think 90%. <laughs> it's my opinion, man. Okay. Rachel was in London last week, you know, and, 
she went out she was working so she went out for lunches and dinners with you know people paying so they went to nice restaurants nice places sure okay she said uh she had some amazing food but she probably discounted about 40 of it 40 percent of shit that she okay. left that's still a plate. dangerously high proportion i never hear someone say i went to an italian restaurant and half the food sucked now 40 percent <laughs> and nearly half the food sucked <laughs> okay and by the way i ate at hell's kitchen up here in tahoe gordon ramsey's restaurant and he has a shepherd's pie on the menu but it's a reinvented shepherd's pie oh. you need to reinvent it if it's all so good over there i make shepherd's pie at home dude i would love for you to eat a little bit more english food why I'm sure you can find a good example of it, or you can say, you know, this one dish is good. The other 60% or 40% is not. Yeah, I've never go to a Chinese restaurant and throw 40% of the food out. No. Yeah, I've done that before. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's just your inherent racism right there. You know, if we we want to, there's actually a website that's a British food site, food shop, where you could buy some food from there. And you might be able to uh, find some things that you might try. Yeah, you might try some things. I'm not trying Steve. to expand my but, palate. How about like some, that like some... food sucks? And if you have to try so hard to give me a good example, then you're just making my point. How about some spotted dick? You could have some spotted dick, dude, and you may like it. <laughs> so I'll do that on OnlyFans for my British followers. <laughs> Listen, I am not taking final word on this unless it's the final word of Gordon Ramsay. Okay. Gordon. So if he wants to step up, you know, let us know. But otherwise, you're wrong. Well, again, a simple Google search showed that this is a (laughs) widely held opinion and a whole bunch of articles of like, yeah, British food sucks. But this one thing, like just what you guys are doing to me, like if you have to find one example, then you're Russian hackers, dude. Come on. You ever watch the, uh, the Great British Baking Show? (laughs) <laughs> yes no. that's a lot i love i love watching that listen yeah. uh, that's ba- uh, pastries and stuff though if it's baking i'm talking about cooking yeah that's true are they you, boiling you, their cupcakes too over there i mean what the you, fuck? You, it's hard to really Ooh. screw up uh, you know cupcakes and you know cookies exactly. and that sort of thing exactly we have a restaurant here in tahoe it's like taste of europe i'm just like an <laughs> idea for a restaurant and it's been struggling it's just general taste of europe Give me a break. I love European food. Uh, German food is the greatest food on oh, the well, sure. planet. You can find parts of Europe, Italy or Germany. Uh, you know, there are good countries, but Great Britain, England in particular. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, don't so order Nick, it, dude. Nick, I don't suppose that when you were in Greece, you had any goat's head soup, did you? Uh, I have. I have. Did yes. you really? You yeah. had goat's head soup? Yeah. Good for you. And I liked it. Uh, I, I, my, I'll eat anything. The, okay. You know what? This is the truth. I'll eat anything. I once ate, I was over in Chelan, which is a small town in Washington. And they have uh, a lot of farmers working over there that are Mexican and they okay. open up uh Mexican taco trucks, stuff like that, that are to die for. Sure. So, uh, everything's real authentic. I step up to the truck with my brothers in town uh-huh. And uh, there was something on the menu that I didn't recognize what it was. So we start talking to this guy, and he said, oh, "That's what is it? Lengua? Uh, it may be. It's cow brains? Oh no, no, no! That lingua is tongue, tongue. Oh, uh, yeah, tongue's a little rough, but uh, I'll eat tongue. But uh, let me tell you, these cow brains. <laughs> yeah, honest truth, 
one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. Wow. Uh, fantastic. Uh, my dad and I used to eat a lot of sushi. We always eat the shrimp with the heads on them. I, I brains are very good, <laughs> you know. And after this week of watching the Jeffrey Dahmer. I would just like to point out that Nick has now said eating brains is uh, good. And last week on the show, you said you would eat somebody's face in self-defense. You may uh, be in the early stages of zombie onset. I may be. We were watching Jeffrey Dahmer. You can. We were watching Jeffrey Dahmer last night while, <laughs> while we were eating dinner. Oh, and... Not eating brains. <laughs> no, wow. no. Okay, that's no, over the top. We were, yeah. eating, we were eating chicken, but Rachel got up pushed her plate away and ran in the bathroom and threw up nice oh, and i was like I you watched Dahmer while you're eating <laughs> yeah I mean, it was already on the 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 timer on the stove went off <laughs> you know it was i just brought so it pause over. it pause it come no, back come on just go with it i hear you yeah so yeah she's uh having an issue now she may be a vegetarian she was talking about it this morning i don't know if i can eat meat again i can't get it out of my head wow so Watch the new Jeffrey Dahmer special is what I'm saying. That I got no desire. I am not into these serial killer TV shows, Dateline, no. podcasts, any of this stuff. I don't get it. They I had the perfect marriage. It's fascinating it? to me. Why Why are you not into that? I, I just don't find it entertaining at all. <laughs> it's like mm. scary movies. Like I just, I got, I, I have limited time for entertainment. I don't, I don't need a scary movie. I don't need serial killer stories. Listen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even going to try and convince you to like it. Okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to try and get you on the bandwagon no, that most of this country is addicted to at this point. You you're most not a big women. Keith Morrison fan? Keith Morrison? Yeah. Uh yeah. Jim Morrison fan. Is is that his brother Keith? No, dude. <laughs> you know who Keith Morrison is? Yes. I don't. I have no idea. Bruski? Really? No. Well, I'm disappointed in you as radio people, first of all, because he's got one of the greatest voices on the planet. But uh, yeah, Dateline, Keith Morrison. No, oh, I don't watch he, Dateline. He they had the perfect marriage. <laughs> Is that what his does, voice sounds, sounds like? Or so like they, that, or yeah. so they, or so they thought. Wow. Yeah. No. no so, oh my God. Yeah. You, if you if you if you hear this guy speak, Steve, you you'd say, okay, I know that guy's voice. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. No, not into the serial killer stuff. Have you guys been watching Dahmer? What's up with that? No, no, no. But I mean, it, it, every yeah. so often, you know, late night, because I'm I'm usually getting home at three, four in the morning. Dateline stuff is on the TV, and then you just hear that that guy's voice, and you know mm. someone's about to get killed. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I'll do a cop drama or something, or a movie about serial killer that's fictitious. But uh, well, besides making your wife throw up, like... are you guys enjoying Dahmer? Yeah, uh, let me tell you that Dahmer is. First of all, I started watching it before while she was in London, and uh, I got to I got to the end of the second episode, and then the third started, and I literally was like. Whew, I gotta fucking shut this shit off for a little bit. Like yeah. I'm feeling dark and in, inside. Right. That's what I've been hearing. Right. Is it that was, what you want was... for your relaxation time? Uh, yeah. I mean, I want all kinds of different emotions, Steve. <laughs> I, I want to feel a lot of different shit. But uh, then I said, okay, go back. You watch the first two episodes, and then we'll watch the rest of the show. And like I said, I'm probably about three quarters of the way done with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's fucking disturbing, beyond disturbing all the way through oh, yeah. so far anyway. Well, now when you tell me you're going to have a friend for dinner, I'm going to wonder what you're really. Talking <laughs> <about>. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Uh, you know what, uh, Brewski, uh, tell me yes. that you know who Army Hammer is. I know the name, and I know he's supposed to be a, a, a wealthy – he comes from a wealthy family, and that he's also um, uh, like sexually assaulted or physically assaulted women or something like that. I know and he's, he's also... a failed actor that's into kinky stuff. That's what I know. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So one of those kinky things that he's into is cannibalism, and it's been coming out <laughs> that <laughs> – I mean, that's really – I don't know if that's even a kink. I mean, it's obviously a mental illness. But... Okay, it seems like a crime and a mental illness. <laughs> so, it's like, not like something you can do once and then come back later on. You know? I, mean, I like I know bondage. a lot of women that like to get eaten, but not, that's, I don't think that's what they meant. <laughs> yeah, so. Little cannibalism here and there, you know, but uh, he, he has several different girls claiming now that – he has he tried to eat them. I mean, uh, he said several times, like, I just want to eat your ribs. I want to, you know, I want to eat your ribs. And like he brought he a made... knife and fork into foreplay. I mean, uh, how do they it's... know he wanted to eat them? <laughs> and what does so, that mean? Like, I just want to take a rib. He's out. got a he's got a he's got a bottle of open pit barbecue sauce. He's just like yeah, a little hey, we... barbecue sauce. <laughs> can we, can we give me a you know spice this up a little bit? I would imagine that it happens in the throes of passion that he gets excited and wants to consume them fully is what i've i've been reading right okay so uh, yeah, we all I blurt out stuff during sex i get it so yeah i thought uh how sick does one have to be to be a cannibal uh do you know where cannibalism actually where it came from other than just like a need to stay alive uh, the Donner Party, which is also in my neighborhood up here. It's not true. Well, I mean, it came way before that, but that's a famous I would think, one. Yeah. I, I would, isn't there something where there are some some tribes in like Indonesia and stuff like that where they would both they would kill their enemies and then consume them as well as part of a you know like we're finishing you off sort of thing or. And they thought the all the power from those other tribes would somehow be within them. It would make them stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, raging diarrhea is a sign of internal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, dude. The, uh, as I, I start hearing about Army Hammer, and then the Dahmer thing comes on, I'm like, how fucking popular is cannibalism? Like, are there a lot of people that suffer from this need, want, desire? To, for cannibalism well, and you i should google it let me know how long it takes for the feds to find you <laughs> i already i already did dude oh, uh, okay. i've got a i've got a uh i've got a email out to a lady who's an expert on it she's uh, a psychologist what kind of paid ads and, are you getting now now that that's on your search history results i don't i, I haven't been paying attention i, I just did it yesterday so uh, uh, you let me know yeah uh but She's written several articles that I read that are fascinating on how many cannibals are in this world right now that you have no, yeah, I mean, you have no clue how many people are you a, a cannibal though. If you only want to eat, don't you have to actually eat human flesh to be a cannibal? Uh, you're an alcoholic. If you want to drink, I mean, I would no. suppose if I've no. never had a drop of alcohol, but I'm like, man, I just want to chug Jack Daniels all day. That's different than being somebody who actually chugs Jack Daniels all day. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, that's true, dude. But what I'm trying to tell you is there are people that you see at the grocery store. Uh, this is a promise and guarantee Nick Reynolds style uh -huh. that want to eat you and that see you and think about it. I assume that May, they don't follow through with it. Well, that's the thing. I would love to talk to your expert. I know you're trying to get them on, but how many people are want to be cannibals and what is that small group? What's the number there? People that have actually done this. It's got to be. Uh, there's treatment centers for it. 
for actually who are these people eating they just do a one-off murder and eat that person just yeah sometimes they Grandma don't even kill them. of natural causes and then they you know, sometimes they don't real. even kill them dude they cut their finger off and they fucking eat them eat their finger I just want. I just felt the urge to puke. No wonder Rachel <laughs> threw up watching Dahmer eating dinner. Oh, hey, I'm God. not saying I like it. I was fascinated, however, by the fact that we are living amongst these people. Wow. I never thought in a million years. I thought Jeffrey Dahmer was an oddity, dude. And I mean, he is in the sense that you know he had so many that we know about. But uh, now I see him as a doer. Like he and achieved his goals. He didn't just you know one of these wannabes. And we're talking about people in general, everyday life. We're not talking like um in a live situation. Remember that movie right. about the that the that yeah. Brazilian soccer yeah, team yeah. that yeah. and they had to like eat each other because they're in the mountains and that sort of thing. It, this is more like a I can eat other things if I want to because I'm living my daily life. I just want to eat a human. Yes, oh, that's a blame this exactly all right. Hannibal Lecter. That's it. Well, yeah, I mean that came from somewhere. Someone's mind brought that up because well, there's a lot of people out there doing it. I Speaking, want you to get this person on. I don't know that I'm going to get through the interview, though. This will be interesting. Does it really make you sick? It, it's making me a little queasy just talking about cutting. You're having sex with someone. You cut their finger off and eat it. Uh, or or right raping there. somebody. I don't think it's a. I don't think there's a willing party. You know, I, I would imagine sometimes they may seduce them, Nick. I'm just starting to think this through. It would be easier to seduce someone first and then cut their finger off. You should just watch saying. Jeffrey Dahmer, dude. I mean, that's <laughs> what he tried to do. He would I'm seduce, here to drug, and eat. Oh. Do you know? Also, I will. I will leave this on your t on your palate, okay? And then we can move on. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer drilled holes into people's heads, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and he would insert just a tidge of acid, so it would not kill the person, and the person couldn't still act like a person. But they have no decision making skills any longer, and they cannot. Oh. And they cannot uh, like uh, feel LSD? anything. Say it again. Like LSD acid? Mm, no, like, oh, no, like uh, battery sulfuric. Acid. Yeah, oh, okay. right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So uh, when you it, can't find roofies, just drill a hole in someone's brain and drop a little acid in there. So he just has basically zombies living in his bedroom that he can defile once in a while. <laughs> Tune in tonight. <laughs> it's but he, awful. Uh, not his, his, speechless, but... here's a question yeah. so <laughs> when did did he have sex with them when they were dead and if so would that be stopping by for a cold one <laughs> well i it depends how long they've been dead brisky uh you know better than i did oh <laughs> uh, is cannibalism Steve. acceptable if you're only defrosting somebody oh, <laughs> oh yeah <sighs> listen he had people and he had plenty when the police arrested him. Yeah, I think he had several hearts in his freezer. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So he <laughs> was uh there was a scene where he took a liver out of his freezer and defrosted it and cooked it. Oh, <laughs> so and I mean you wonder it, why right? I'm not into serial killer shows. <laughs> You're just laying it all out right here. This is not oh. entertainment <laughs> or any information I need to have in my brain. So you don't find it fascinating. So no. No. Well, on a final note of that topic, uh, Brewski put us in that alive situation. If the plane goes down, I just want the order in which we are eating each other. I want your answer and Steve's answer. Who are you eating first? 
Well, I would figure you guys would would probably eat me first because I'm the fattest one. So, <laughs> so I, I did. I, there'd be plenty. Of, there'd be plenty to eat, and you guys would be safe for a while. And you guys, <laughs> you know. So I figured I'd be the first one to go. It's a question of what cut of meat you want. Do you want something with a little fat on it? You want something a little leaner, like <laughs> a flank? I think I would be more the flank steak, where Brewski might be more the ribeye. I don't, I don't <laughs> uh, so Brewski. You're, you're, so if if it's you and Steve alive, who are you eating? <laughs> are you gonna eat me right away? No, probably the pilot first. Wait, wait, just you have the wait, choice. Is it just the three or Steve? Yes, you have the choice. We're all alive, but you have the choice to eat me or Steve. What order is it happening in? Jeez, I I don't know. I don't know how I would decide. Well, I'm. Fatter Hold than on. Steve. Do you, do you have to like you know beat so, one of us down first? Like, is that the first obstacle to get over? Which one of you could I bludgeon to then be able to prepare and eat? Uh, no, you have to make a decision in your head, dude. About who am I uh, gonna feel? <laughs> who am I gonna feel worse about killing? <laughs> well, come, I can't. I I don't know how I would end. I can't answer this. Listen, All this. Right. <laughs> I'm coming up with my answer. I don't know if that makes me flawed, but uh, you know. Yeah, this I, is I, I would go this, the bear grills route and start eating grubs and and snails and all that and worms and all that other stuff before I would I would eat you guys. So here's the deal. Like if you nice. got, if we're all healthy ish, you know, and we're just getting to the point of cannibalism, I would be concerned about taking Brewski down because he has had some good <laughs> fisticuffs in his life. So <laughs> unless I could take him by surprise, I think Nick would be the easier prey to take down. However, that leaves Brewski and I, and I think brucey has got a bigger appetite than I do, and I don't want you hoarding all of my Nick. So <laughs> maybe, and also I think I would have better long-term conversations with Nick, so I would probably try probably to keep so. him alive longer. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that would be the pecking order. I, probably so. I, I would base it if you were weak enough that I thought I could take you easily, Brewski. Then yeah, I, I'd have to take you down first, and sure. I would, you know, have some good conversation that we could, you know, carry on down the road for this kind of thing. But, but otherwise, no. I think, um, yeah, I, I think I would take <laughs> Nick out first, but put Brewski on, you know, portion controls. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I've thought All this right. through just uh, in the moment, but I, 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 that, that, that logic seems to pan out to me. You're not an overthinker at all, dude. I, <laughs> I was just curious Survival about who you're eating. Listen, this well, what is about my you. Plan. It's me and Brewski. This, well, this is my, this is my ultimate plan, but you have, we all have to agree on it for it to happen. Okay. If not. Okay. So let's imagine that we all agree. <laughs> Consensual cannibalism. That is the way to go. You're right. Especially in this modern era. Yes, dude. Let's not be wild. The different let's talk to each the other. movement, but it's still important. There's sure. no reason at the beginning anyway that any of us need to die. We can eat off of each other. Like, why can't I have an ear from harness? Oh. And keep them alive. And and we can live out. All three of us can live that way. A la carte, if we just take a, a little bit at a time. Yes. Oh, gee, I should have thought of that. Now I feel bad. I feel like a dick. <laughs> no, we we all got to agree. I don't know if everyone just Brewski doesn't look like he agrees. Speaking oh, of I, feeling I, like a dick, that's the last thing I'm eating on either. You just so you know, my penis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eventually you got to get there, right? Isn't that sort of the fillet? I mean, isn't that sort of the fillet mignon? 
Yeah. Or maybe it would be a little amuse-bouche, a little sampling <laughs> platter, uh, a little penis, a little ear, a little belly button for the finish off. You know. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I feel terrible for now saying I would just jump right to murder because you're right. We should probably be cutting off fingers. First. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hoping but you, I'm glad you murdered me first. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to know it. Uh, Brewski, are, is, everything, yes, is everything okay over there? Oh, I was, I'm having a power. I had to plug my laptop in. My Ah, oh, yeah, I understand. Because we go too long on these podcasts. You should probably always plug in for this. But yeah. Probably so. Yeah. Uh, well, Listen, did we answer your question? Do you feel you satisfied? answered my question? If Bruski's into the pack that we're just going to eat off each other, then we'll all three survive. Why not? I'm okay. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there we, we solved some problems today, gentlemen. Listen, I've got a disgusting bizarreness with harness, and now okay. I'm on the fence that we should either just you know put it into this catastrophe of a conversation, <laughs> or maybe I just leave that for another. No, episode. come join. All right, this is a tough one. I've got things to tell you guys that I don't think you know. Okay. Are you prepared for that? And it's going to be disgusting. Hit sure. the button. All right. And now it's bizarreness with harness. Bizarreness with harness. Steve Harness. It's <laughs> flipping bizarre. It is. All right. All right, everybody. It's time for bizarreness with harness. Me being the harness in question. Um. I'll just read the uh, the headline on this uh, article for you. Then I'll, I'll read as much of the article as I feel is necessary. Uh, the headline, my vagina ripped open during childbirth. Here's what I wish I had known before that happened. Okay. Feeling good so far? Yeah. So far, so good. The delivery yeah. doctor looks up from between my legs. <laughs> I gaze at the ceiling and focus on a fluorescent light, trying to push my fear uh, the, I asked the doctor, what are the risks? He says, if you have an emergency C-section at this stage, the primary risk is permanent damage to your uterus and uh, risk of hemorrhaging, bleeding. Uh, if I deliver the kid with forceps, there's a chance your baby may have a small amount of facial bruising. If you go with the forceps, it'll be over in a matter of minutes. The woman says, I chose the forceps. Oh, boy. Uh, then there she is, my daughter, pale and silent, then red and screaming. I hold her as I shake, uh, convulsing in a stupor after 50 hours of labor. Holy, Holy mackerel, dude. Two doctors spend an hour sewing me up. I don't understand what is happening to my body, only that my baby and I have made it to the other side, alive. And at the moment, that is enough. The doctor says, quote, you have severe third degree tearing and a shattered tailbone. Keep oh, icing it. Uh, come back and see me in two weeks. You may experience fecal incontinence. I'm going to refer <laughs> He's my diaper daddy. I'm going to refer you to a specialist. Oh. This woman says a critical factor that I did not know at the time was that about 90% of people who give birth vaginally will experience tearing. Tears sure. are classified in grades of severity from one to four. The more common first and second degree tears involve uh, lacerations in the... Uh, uh, in the vaginal and perineal tissue, with third-degree injuries, the tear extends from the vagina to the anus. Ooh. In a rare fourth-degree tear, the laceration extends from the vagina through the perineal area and into the anal sphincter muscles and all the way up into the rectum. Ooh. Okay. Ooh, wow. Stop reading right there. And here's my point of this article. <laughs> Are, you know, did you guys like in science class uh, when they were discussing sex ed? Did they play that video of a woman giving childbirth? 
Um, uh, I, did you see that? I, was that part of your curriculum? Because it wasn't my school. And it wasn't like up close and personal, but they showed a woman giving birth. I saw one in school, but then also at the Museum of Science in Boston, they had a whole room that was like a permanent thing on birth and that sort of thing. And you could stand there and watch this video of this woman giving birth. And, and you see uh, it exiting the vagina. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You see I've the, seen the same. Yeah, the, the the head crowning through the bush and, and everything like that. Yes, yes. Right, right. That's a clinical term, Bush, by the way. Did uh, you, uh, by the way, were you in the delivery room for your kids? So this is my point. I was not told any of this. I was not told things that should have been told, I feel, to people that might be fathers someday. Because, yes, I was in the delivery room for both of my kids being born, and I had a front row view. You know, the doctor had told me, like, come on down here. Like, come on, yeah, all this. And so I was not standing up by, like, you know, my uh, wife at the time's head or anything. I, I was watching all this stuff. And Did they warn you of anything? No. The poop or anything? They didn't warn me of anything. And my seventh grade science teacher greatly let me down and did not warn me of any of this while he was playing that video. But, yeah, things are freaking terrible down there. I mean, vaginal tearing, incontinence. Uh, you know, uh, not try, I, I don't want to throw my ex-wife under the bus here or anything, because none of this is uh, obviously anything a woman can control during this process. But obviously things get terrible down there. There is blood, there is feces, there is yeah. urine, there is screaming. You watch a human come out of that thing. Yeah. And I was not prepared for any level of what truly happens during childbirth. And the doctors each time told me, like, this is nothing. You should see some of the stuff that happens to some of these women, like that article I was just reading. Fourth degree tearing from the vagina to the anus and incontinence wow. and like, oh, my freaking God. It's insane, dude. I mean, it it's is it, it's insane. When you, when you meet a woman who has given birth to any child, like, gotta give them a pat on the back because i mean it's something that i mean it's it's incredible but when you meet a woman who has a large baby uh you cannot help but think to yourself oh wow like uh you had to go through some shit to get that baby out yeah yeah literally perhaps yeah yeah it's incredible dude i had a co-worker years ago who had this tiny tiny wife Maybe four, ten, and 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 their baby James when he was born, that baby was over ten pounds. Oof. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Oof. dude. Those big headed, big babies, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So then here's the other issue that again, no one discussed with me, not only in like middle school or you know, a high school sex ed class, but I would think maybe some doctor at some point in this process would have pulled me aside, but it is traumatizing as a man to watch your favorite plaything go through all of that. You know, watching a vagina like tear open and a human head come out of it. And you got blood, you got all this terribleness. And then I'm supposed to go want to play with that thing the next month or whatever. Uh, well, so what do you mean? Like, uh, right away, you just think, because I've never been a part of being in a room like that with, uh, you know, with anybody, let alone someone I love, but. Uh, you immediately think that, oh, that's going to be hard to picture in the way I used to. Yes. Prior to watching childbirth, a vagina was only a plaything to me as a man. You know, I only, I don't look at it as a functional thing, you know, and obviously women have a different relationship in general, but once you go through childbirth, I mean, the, the things that happen down there to, like I said, my favorite plaything, it, it'd be like watching Mickey Mouse do the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, like something that you thought, oh, it's fun, it's Disney, it's Mickey, and now you see Mickey covered in yeah. blood in season. You don't want to go play with Mickey Mouse after that. So well, you, it was traumatizing. You know, it took me months 
after each childbirth to be able to go back down there and not be shot with this image as you're getting your face down there of like my kid just came out of here and I watched blood and I watched all this terrible. It took months. Nobody warned me. Oh yes. Hmm. Now most women need at least a few weeks afterwards, you know, to have sex again anyways. But yeah, that was some serious PTSD where I had never envisioned it that way. And uh, my eyes were open wide and it was difficult. You know, Howard Stern, you being a Howard Stern fan, you remember he said that after watching Allison give birth to his daughters, he viewed her vagina as what he called a war wound. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I never heard he him said, tell that story. That's interesting. But no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, he, he had the same thought that you did where he was like, I can't look at it the same way. And then he kind of said, he said, I believe he said that he felt guilty for a while because he was the one that caused all of this for Allison to go to. Yes, it was great to have the children, right. but everything else residual from that was like, this, this is my fault. Yeah. Did and you ever the- get back to the place of where you were uh, before all of this? Like, I mean, did you ever get back to a place mentally where you did not think about that every time? I did, and you know why? Oh, now you are a champion. <laughs> Fucking champion, Nick. I don't give up on vagina, okay? Yeah, I get please. back in there, and I get down to what I got to do. But no, it, it, it was truly a traumatic event. I didn't see it coming. I didn't understand the ramifications. I didn't yeah. understand how it would change my perception of the female body. But yeah, you start to, you like any trauma, I guess, you got to kind of you know, put your hand on the hot stove and work your way through that. And each time it gets a little better. And eventually, because I'm an immature guy, I was able to just go back to my original perception of that thing. And uh, right. Yeah, that was that was tough, man. And um, wow. nothing I nothing I was warned for. And I should have been somebody should have warned me for what was going on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a rough one, dude. I'll never forget that when my sister had her first child, we were all sitting outside of the delivery room. And obviously, like if you're right out in the hallway, you can hear things are happening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of the normal things that you would hear in a hospital room of people talking, you keep pushing all the, that kind of stuff. And then there is a point where you hear the baby cry and, you know, hope, hopefully you hear the baby cry and everything is great. We're standing out in the hallway and I'm like, Oh, you know, my sister had her first baby. I was so proud and everything else. And one of her husband's friends is sitting by me and he, I don't know if he forgot momentarily that uh, I was her brother, but he kind of elbows me and he was like, I'm going to go in there and tell that doc to give her a couple extra stitches for her brother. (laughs) Make it a little tighter. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, Excuse me, dude. Like he completely ruined that whole moment that I was totally in and vibing with. And I wanted if he wouldn't have been such a large guy, I probably would have punched him. And, and if I was not at the hospital for my niece's, you know, a birth, but I was so offended by that. And I oh, took that home with me and I was like, Oh, you're stitching my sister up. I could not get it out of my head. And I was like, yeah, that all that stuff probably happens to every woman. And uh, that joke had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, what a foul joke, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stitches in. I was just like, oh, wow. Uh, you're really... It's kind of funny, but it's terrible. Um, not to a brother. Right. No, for sure. No. Yeah. There's a reason they clean that baby up before they hand it to the mom and dad for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. And I've seen a water birth. You know, I don't know that I've seen one, but we had people talk to us about that. And it, I. 
it seemed crazy to me. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, well, uh, the only reason I bring it up is because I don't know what the level of, uh, you know, tearing and everything is with that, but everything goes into the water. Yeah. So, I mean, you're just sitting in a soup bowl. Yeah. Uh, basically all of that stuff. And it's, you know, I can't imagine that that's healthy, but a lot of uh, women prefer it, I suppose. So I don't know. I've heard you know, speak on it. So years ago, I used to work at this store in Boston and the guy that was the cleaner at our store, he worked for this company that had uh, several different um, contracts and there was a baby store nearby and uh, he got an emergency call because one of the uh, ladies who was in the store shopping, her water broke um, at the at the store, and they had carpeted floors. And it, it, when she her water broke, it was just all over the carpet, and he had to go over there to shampoo the carpets. <laughs> I imagine that happens frequently. Yeah, you make the mess, you clean it up. So you but, but wonder why? after you, you tell that story, Steve, and you've seen. You know, your ex-wife go through it a couple of times. Like, this is why I constantly wonder that why, when we started this whole world out, why are women not fighting wars? Right. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I, man, I don't know many men that could go through that and snap back and be like, yeah, I'm good to play again. Just give me a couple of weeks. You know, I'd be like, don't ever touch me there again, dude. I don't <laughs> yeah. ever want to be touched there again. They say the kidney stone is the closest equivalent and pain and suffering that a man can go through, but I don't hear about anyone's dick exploding after right. uh, passing a kidney stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. I had a roommate that, that had to pass a kidney stone, and uh, he was screaming like you wouldn't believe. And when it came out, it was the size of a bullion cube, he said. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's wow. terrible for sure. Yeah. But again, was yeah. there uh, blood and you know stitches yes. required? Like the, 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 no, not stitches, but there was there was blood, a little bit of blood. But I was living with him at the time, and hearing him screaming in the bathroom, I'm just like, "What the hell is going on in there?" You yeah. know. I'm sure we'll all experience it at some point, but yeah, I still don't think it's anything equivalent to a uh, oh, no, not not even birth, close. So not yeah. even close. All right, women, you get that one. All right, proceed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Brewski, talk to me about uh, some booty. Mr. Booty. Oh, General Booty. Which yeah, what's is up what, with this? Reporting for duty. General <laughs> Booty, reporting for duty. Um, Who the hell is so, General Booty, and why do Gen I need to know about this? General Booty is a quarterback who plays for the University of Oklahoma, and I believe he is the son of John David Booty, who was a quarterback for a while in um, the NFL and for LSU. And um, I saw the general booty was getting into the game the other day because the Oklahoma Sooners were getting blown up out of TCU Horn Frogs. And was he um, the second stringer or something or what? Well, he's a freshman, so oh, he's uh, so he's 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 a yeah he's like a like a five star recruit, and they have a starting quarterback that that they love there. Um, and you know how often does a freshman really? you know, win the job outright, you know? And so, uh, General I don't know booty, what's weirder, his first name or his last name. I mean, obviously having a family name of booty, you would think <laughs> someone would change that at some point, but I guess they embraced it, but why general They have to be from the South, right? I, yeah. Probably. I, you would think though, um, he's a sophomore. He had, he had played at a uh, junior college and, uh, Texas. He's from Allen, Texas actually is where he's from. Hmm. Yeah, he is. So he is. He is. I'm trying to uh, think of what would be a worse first name if your last name's Booty, Free Booty. 
bloody loose booty, booty. <laughs> loose booty <laughs> yeah and that's so like rear admiral booty if you're going with <laughs> <He's> the <laughs> military name stuff <laughs> he's actually um set to possibly start this week against texas which is actually a really big game uh the the red river shootout that happens every single year between texas and oklahoma <laughs> and um yeah. Listen, for all of our entertainment, I hope this guy goes on to a long, successful career in the NFL and everything else so that announcers for years have to talk about uh, booty on the field. You know, he actually yeah. has t- Not just the cheerleaders. He actually has T-shirts that and he's uh, raising money. Anyone who buys the T-shirts, all the money goes to the Oklahoma Children's Hospital. And he has a T-shirt that says I heart booty. There's a picture of him on it says booty call. Another one that says, that says general and it's got a peach underneath it. You would think Mr. Booty would be raising money for like rectal cancer or something, but uh, you would think, yes, yes, but yes, General Booty. My dating yeah. profile does say that's what I'm looking for, though. Just General oh. Booty, just yeah. Gen Booty in general, <laughs> just Booty in general. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, all right. I'm sure that kid had a uh, fun childhood, and that's probably why he became a jock and um, you know beefed up and all that stuff. So. Yes, yes. Now I, I now remember um, he actually had. Uh, um, we had, we had that uh, van. Remember the van? Yeah. The oh yeah, uh, you sent us a picture. It was what, what's that about? This weird seventies van. Yeah. So I, I knew for a long time because I'm I'm really into vans and and that sort of thing. And you know people used to put like names. Into vans. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, I had remember my I had a van. Remember my van? I, yeah, I remember your van, dude. I was bro- broken hearted when you had to get rid of it. The crescent moon shaped windows and everything on it. Yeah. Seventies um, style, but, right? Yeah, so this van actually, um, I found, had a name on it called the Stabbing Cabin. The Stabbing Cabin. And I kind of, I pictured him pulling up to the school, General Booty coming to the stadium for the game, and he's pulling up in the Stabbing Cabin. Well, driving it to the children's hospital. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but. Comes a little booty in the Stabbing Cabin. Yeah. (laughs) I told you we had a funny story, Brewski, about the stabbing cabin. Yes, and uh, I, I was in uh, Tahoe with uh, Steve and we were having dinner with his kids and we're eating and uh, his son is getting ready to go on a cap- uh, camping trip with some, you know, friend, his best friend. <laughs> uh, he starts uh, talking about, you know, we're staying in their their trailer. They got a trailer. It's called the stabbing cabin. <laughs> and <laughs> And, and they start debating though. My kids like it's because someone got murdered in it. That's why they call it the stabbing cabin. Yeah. So uh. Steve's oldest steps in and and was like, uh, you know, that's why they call it. Somebody got murdered in there, and that's you know, somebody got stabbed in there. And Steve and I are both kind of looking at each other, thinking, yeah, I bet they did. <laughs> I bet they did over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> there may have been so, some carrying yeah. going on there. Yeah. They they uh, camp in the stabbing wagon is that what they call it no i don't know no it was called the stabbing cabin the where yeah. they went to cap at their camp at there was a cabin and that's what all the adults <laughs> called it and yeah. we're just they're having dinner and this conversation starts between my two kids about no no one was murdered in that cabin no well then why do they call it the stabbing cabin if no one was <laughs> and, you, and you didn't decide that you, this would be a great time to have a conversation no i think i was like i guess someone got murdered there that, uh, that <laughs> yeah i think that's probably what happened someone was murdered it's sad we should never talk about it again yeah. exactly you know if i was there with you guys i would be sitting there and like just 
just holding the table because I'd be shaking so much trying to hold my laptop. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would yeah just... it, was, it was pretty dang funny. I mean, oh my gosh. It was funny for sure. It made getting me. The, made getting me the shakes laugh. like Steve's alcoholic there. The, <laughs> yeah, his you know? suicide girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey, that might be yeah. the next Mrs. Harness. Okay, let's stop calling her the suicide girl. Okay? I've also got to watch this woman. I've also, honestly, I got to watch myself because who knows which one of these people is going to end up being nice. And at some point, if you do marry suicide girl, uh, <laughs> I mean, we'd have to have the conversation. You know that, uh, you know, my good friend Nick used to call you, uh, we used to call you the suicide girl. You know, I think we did that with your last ex. Because we had a nickname nicknames. for her too. When they all start off, they have nicknames. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine the, the the toast Nick would give at the wedding. Yeah. The suicide girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's drinking non-alcoholic, of course, but yeah. let's all raise a glass. So. Yeah. Maybe this woman signs up for rehab, and in 30 days, she's like, you know, just this great, clean, sober woman. Because alcoholism, alcoholism is never a lifelong fight. I mean, you're right. Could happen. <laughs> is it terrible that i told her like why don't you start smoking pot like yeah, quit the booze <laughs> yeah. you don't need just to move from one to the I other mean, come on let's try some of these pills too. no one's <laughs> overdosing on pot nobody's shaking hands you know from not you know being able to hit a joint yet so honestly i mean it's the way healthier version of something you can be hooked on right but she's Although, an alcoholic dude yeah, but we I all mean, know we know people though that that if they don't wake and bake that that they're just like off the whole day or yeah, like sure. at least the first half hour of their life like you can't even talk to them at all yes. Yes. yeah but they're still way nicer to hang around with than raging alcoholics that was the other thing i was like well what kind of drunk are you because i'm a happy drunk like people love yes. it when i'm drunk i'm giggly and happy and she's like oh i'm a really mean drunk yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, boy. Oof. i've seen mean drunks guess. before steve you want yeah. nothing to do with the suicide girl i'll shut her up don't worry yeah <laughs> can't talk with a full See, mouth you're already you know trying I mean? to fix her like, <laughs> these are my solutions some people will send you to rehab i'll just fill your mouth up and you won't be able to be so <laughs> mean <laughs> right you are a problem solver steve thank you brewski thank you all right, I take no in. part in this, uh, Mrs. Harness. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> this is not anything I condone. It's not you, babe. It was some other suicide girl, <laughs> raging alcoholic, <laughs> that I talked to that one night. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so we've been talking about uh, blood, DNA, all that stuff uh, <laughs> on a previous episode of The Vocal Minority. Uh, Brewski had gone on Ancestry.com and oh. found out that not only does he have other siblings out there, but more importantly, you found out that you have a you have a what, Brewski? Share with the audience if they missed the previous episode. I have a son. Yeah. His name is Brendan. He's 24. Not he to be a... confused with Brandon. No, 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 no. Brendan. And you, and you and... found this out as a, what, a 51-year-old man, right? This is a recent uh, discovery. Yeah. Actually, four, I'm 48 years old, so three years ago. Okay. All right. But either yeah. way, you were in a full-grown adult. You found out that you have a full-grown son out there because you yeah. were on Ancestry. All the commercials yes. are like, are you really German? You know, find out. They never say find out if you're, you know, your parents were cheating or find out how many extra siblings you have or find out if you got a woman pregnant and she never told you and you actually have a child out there. Yeah, yeah. And actually, he's listened to our show. Yeah, where does and he live nowadays? What he, lives in, he lives in Minneapolis now. Okay, I see his dot. He is listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And, I can see uh, where all of you are listening out there in podcast world. I got a map. And when you log on to any of those, any website, it doesn't matter. Not social media, but if you listen to the podcast, I can see you. And I saw, yeah, uh, many, uh, I saw a Minnesota dot pop up and I thought, I wonder, is that a son? Uh, yep. We also uh, saw a, a Boston uh, little tab pop up, but way to go, Brewski. <laughs> yeah, I see that you're listening now too, Brewski. And by the way, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I can also tell roughly how many episodes people have listened to because your dot starts out a, a thin gray and it gets darker or more condensed white. And then it starts to turn red the more episodes you're listening to. Your son's sure. listened to quite a few episodes. I don't know if that's oh, good yeah. or bad. I don't know what he's no. learning about us, but well, yeah. I mean, I've, I I told him, I prepared him. I said, listen, if you listen to the show, you're going to hear things that maybe you didn't know. Obviously, you didn't know about me and things that might make you a little weird or uncomfortable. But it's a, I'm always going to keep it 100. percent And it's one way to learn about your dad, and at least he's a full grown adult. You know, my kids oh. are going to find this stuff one of these days, and I'm going to traumatize the shit out of them. I was yeah. going to say that in a uh, scenario like yours, Bruski, that, I mean, it's kind of a cool way to get to know uh, about your father. I mean, as somebody that you don't know at all, I mean, there's not a room you could sit in for uh, Super Bowl Sunday or sit at a bar where you could tell all the stories of you that we talk about. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's something kind of cool that he's listening and learning who his dad is, by the way, a great dude, obviously. So right. I think it's cool that he's going to get to know you a little bit through these stories. You can't recreate them in a room with him. Oh, remember this one time, like he's going to get to listen in and kind of find out about who you are as a person in general and a father. Well, and because I'm with you guys too, I, I'm more relaxed and uh, I'm just letting everything just kind of go and fly. And, um, and so I think it's just more, more original, more, uh, not original, um, genuine. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I gotta yeah. tell you guys, my son is dying to listen to the show. And I asked him the other day, like, why? Why, why are you so curious? It's the forbidden fruit. Cause I've told him not sure. to, listen, <laughs> to but I'm like, so what are you really curious about? He's like, well, a, like, I don't like that all these other people get to see this. Like, we were at a mechanic shop the other day, and the mechanic was like, Harness, listen to the podcast, man. That's funny <laughs> stuff. And he's like, the mechanic gets to listen to you, but I don't get to listen to you. And I'm like, listen, dude, like, I am sharing stories that I would not normally share with my kids. Um, this would never come up at the dinner table, you know? And he's like, well, but you're my dad, and I want to hear what you have to say. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck me. Like, that's great and noble, and I love that's what you're thinking, but man. If we were on story. regular radio, he'd be able to hear, hear you. Yeah, but we wouldn't be as descriptive as we have been on some of these things, for sure. No, but but I mean. And if he wasn't the, listening at the time, he would, he would, it's done, it's over. These podcasts are living on forever. Yeah, I mean, true. he's going to hear them someday, uh, and, and you're just trying to prepare him for that, I suppose. But I can tell you this. I mean, he may still be a little bit young to listen to this program yes. and to know some of these things. But as, like, <clears throat> you know, my dad and I struggled for uh, a portion of our life to get along and did not get along. And that ended, which, you know, I was lucky for. But I always remember kind of knowing my dad growing up. But I would have loved to have had a fly on the wall moment of where I could have just like heard him honestly and candidly talking to his friends in a room yeah. that I could have been like, that's my fucking dad, dude, that for better or for worse, that's my dad that I love, yeah. you know, so uh, you're worried about a lot of it. And I 100% get it, yeah. but he's going to hear it someday. I'd rather it was someday, not this day. 
I, I agree my, with you, dude. I agree I'd rather with that, I was dead and gone, and my kids in their thirties or forties are going back through this. And oh, our dad was a cool human and had all these crazy stories. At ages thirteen and sixteen, I don't need to have these discussions. I'm like, so mom's vagina tore. Why can you tell? <laughs> like, I understand, dude. Like, I which get one of it. us I'm did more damage? To mom. <laughs> so, so here's a question, Steve. Who yeah, would be uh, who who would be more difficult to explain something to um, of your children? Well, my born is yeah. Go ahead, Neo. You think it would be I, more I think... difficult to explain to to them? Yes. See, I don't because Neo, and the reason we're calling my daughter them is my daughter has come out as gender neutral, you know, non-binary, whatever. So I'm respecting all of that. So they are them, uh, not she. Um, but they are extremely progressive and open-minded to the world, and I think some of these things, mainly because of her maturity and exposure to, you know, the whole uh, whole gamut of things out there that some people would find sure. uncomfortable and uh, whatnot. Uh, I, I actually think they would probably take it better, but would probably be a little more disgusted by it, whereas Crosby <laughs> would be a little more mystified and maybe, yeah, with his young age, a little shocked by some of these things. I agree with that analysis 100%, and I guess that's what I meant. I think that some things uh, that, you know, that we talk about, would be a definite eye roll for them, but also a kind of like, uh, come on, you guys, <laughs> what are you talking about here? Are you, that's crazy. Right? Well, he so, keeps saying to me like, oh, so you did some crazy thing when you were a teenager. Like, what does that matter? And I'm just like, man, I'm talking about current events now too, though. Was the problem. <laughs> I'm talking about my sex life. I'm talking about drug. I'm talking about internet dating. I'm telling stories about your mother during childbirth. Like, yeah. 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 I don't know. It's a tough, uh, uh, it, it's a it's a tough needle to weave my friend i i don't envy the situation at all no i've been letting them hear selective things uh but uh the entire unfiltered show especially the two the first two episodes we did we talked a lot about my personal life and their lives and their mom and the fact that i don't even think my firstborn knows that my wife was nine months pregnant with her when we got married Right. We got married on February 11th. She was born on February 20th. Like, you know, I don't right. think she's done that mad. There's so much stuff. So I was honestly thinking the other day, like when we hit like maybe a hundred podcasts, maybe those first two episodes just disappear from the internet. <laughs> do we well, need, do we yeah, need the whole archive? I don't know. Here's the, here's, here's the true question of this that I know you've contemplated because you think about all kinds of shit. Everything. Yes. Uh, listen, do you think that they have already listened? And if you don't think they've already listened, no. how much time do you give it before they find this on their own and listen and don't say anything? These are all valid questions. I know they haven't listened to the podcast because I can geo track it and I'm the only dot around here. So they haven't listened to that. The social media stuff, those two are both all over that. So could they have found it and listened to it? Yeah, there's not as much personal info on some of those stories. Uh, but it's kind of, I, I told them both, they're not allowed to listen right now. And I tell you, I told them that basically, like, if you told me that you kept a diary and I said, Hey, can I read your diary? Like, that'd be kind of wrong. Right. And this show is a verbal diary for me. So I've asked them like, for now, respect my privacy, just like a diary. There may be some passage I write that I want to share with you. There's segments on the show I would share, but you're my kids. And I know I'm sharing with the whole world, but I'd appreciate it if you didn't. So it's kind of like telling kids don't watch porn. If they then go do it, they're not going to run to me and say, Hey, what's 69. I saw it in some video. Like they can't admit right, to me right. that they've listened because I've told them not to. Sure. 
Uh, but I will say, like Neo, the other day I mentioned in front of her, uh, them that um, you know you guys aren't supposed to be listening. She was like, or they were like, "What? I'm not supposed to be listening? I didn't get that memo." <laughs> so, so you've grilled it in, right? I'm like, we've talked about this several times, actually. So I don't know, <laughs> but no, I don't think Crosby has for sure. Neo, yeah. maybe, maybe. So yeah. It's also, dude, a funny thing, Cros, uh, about Cros is that uh, you know we did the whole uh, uh, rap conversation. Yeah, questions from Crosby. Yeah. Questions from Crosby. Crosby went off on harness about uh, the. How do I know that I want to be shared on your YouTube page? I oh. what if I want my own YouTube page? Like, yes. uh, how's that all going to be out there? yeah what if i don't want to be known as your son you only <laughs> and then he got into this whole thing about how i i uh, every time i mention his name i should be legally required to play that audio for him since you know he owns his own name and oh like, yeah, he is your son dude he yeah. is your son oh yeah wow the bu well, budding attorney there look exactly. at that but because yeah. he's my son i told him you're my son you're my property so you don't know <laughs> you're 18 yeah. so no i'm under no obligation to play any of this for you but so funny dude. i appreciate his curiosity maybe i should just find i hate to say that we have a boring segment but it's like if i could bore him he would just be like i don't want to hear this ever again we should do a fake show That's yes oh. just reading statistics of I, science and oh. yes that could be good. We could talk about like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and crocheting. Yeah, tax returns. I don't know, just mundane adult crap that would just bore the shit out of them. Then he'll never listen again. There will be a day that uh, he wonders, Stephen, is Suicide Girl my stepmom? <laughs> well, then that will be a story of rehabilitation and never giving up. I guess that'd be yeah. a good problem to deal with. That's actually yeah. Happens. All right. All right, gentlemen. Um, oh, wait, no. I, there was a point in me bringing up the Ancestry DNA. Brewski, I appreciate that your son is listening because we need all the listeners we can get. Okay. So anyone else out there in the family tree that you are unaware of that you can now make a listener of our show? Well, I don't know if this person, it's tough because, so this lady wrote to me and said that she knew she was adopted. Um, her, her parents told her years ago she was adopted, uh, but she found out that she was related to me second cousin wise and, and like really close. So it's possible somebody from the side of the fit, I can't say it's not a side of my family. The guy that got my mother pregnant was probably someone from his family was the one that got her mother pregnant. So is this a new one? Because you already told us that you found, what, two or three sisters and a son, right? Well, okay. So now one sister, uh, the I found out about the other two through the through the sister I met on Ancestry. Right. She's the one that told me that the guy that got my mother pregnant, who got her mother pregnant, um, he already had two kids prior to getting our, our mothers pregnant, and he was married. So map um, this out for me. How many siblings did you recently discover? How many siblings? Not not three. cousins or children. Three. So three. So you got three siblings you discovered, one son you discovered. And is yes. are you saying now there's a new person in the mix? A she's a second cousin. Second cousin. Okay. So we got yeah. three siblings, a son, and now you found a new cousin. And yeah. where does she live? And does she I'm, like podcasts? She does <laughs> live in the Boston area, as far as I can tell. Oh, I wrote, right. I wrote her back because she was like, hey, do, do you have any ideas where I could start and all that sort of thing? Oh, podcasting? Kind of... <laughs> no, um, but I kind of, I, she's not, she's not, I said to her, I said, listen, if 
if you can look at other people you're tra- attached to and you can tell me some of the names, I can give you an idea as far as who you want to reach out to. But I don't think it's anybody from the Colin side of my family. Um, I just don't think so. That's my mother's side of the family. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, honestly, I think it's this guy that, you know, the McNally's, that, that guy there. Wow. Well, it's, 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 it's so much, dude. It's, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we feel the same about it, but it's so, is this so much for you to process to think about when you hear? I mean, obviously, from your son, it was a different story, but when you hear these other connections, uh, does it emotionally do something to you other than just like, well, wow, cool? Okay. So, like, when I, when I met Lisa, my half sister, Yes. The, the one I met on Ancestry. Yes. Um, because she, because her mother spent so much time with that guy that got John, who got my mother pregnant, and her mother pregnant. Um, because and she actually spent a little bit of time around him too. Yeah. Um, and, and to hear what my mother told me about him, about how abusive he was to her, and he was a drinker, and um. She was very much a naive 17-year-old woman. My my young woman. My mother told me, Jason, when, when I was going to give birth to you, I was absolutely terrified. I had no idea what you were going to come out of. Wait, no one had explained how childbirth works? Is that what you're saying? This is 1971, and, and people they didn't have sex ed in schools. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she wasn't told how the whole process would work, what no. would happen. No, no. And from Oof. what I gather, and from what I gather, the time, the couple times that she did have relations with this guy, it was kind of a rough, a rough uh, situation, Jeez. you know, that's and, so, and you and you from her, you gathered that she basically told me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And so and so wow. when and so when Lisa would tell me, you know, what happened with her mom and that sort of thing. It just made me feel a little, I don't know, I was angry because of somebody hurt my mom, obviously. Sure. And and it made me feel a little bit, a little sad too, you know? Yeah. Because she was, she fell for this like older guy who was a smooth talker and, and uh, he basically used her and threw her aside as soon as she told him that she was pregnant. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about with this ancestry revelations. It is blowing people's worlds apart, changing yeah. perceptions of family, of parents. This seems like this seems like a really unhealthy thing that's unfolding right now around our country that most people don't seem to be talking about. Because like I said, ancestry advertises is you just find out where you're really from. But there is piles of infidelity being exposed an entire generation of people that had no idea that they may have gotten away with cheating at that time but then 20 30 40 years later they were going to be exposed and the more of us submitting our dna to ancestry the more of this is going to keep on coming or keep unfolding yeah 100 percent, dude i uh I sympathize with that, those feelings, Brewski. I, I think that it's a, it's a terrible thing to learn certain things about. And the fact that, you know what, on both sides of you and this half sister, the stories are so different. And it really sucks when those people have passed away that you're discussing because there are no answers. I mean, other than what you already know. Yeah, there's no answers. There's no resolve. It's, it's I, a I, I, I sympathize yeah. with it, dude. Yeah. 
It's a can of well, worms. There's no way to resolve it in that kind of scenario. I will tell you, I, I was very fortunate with my mother because my mother told me that my dad, Cadillac Jack, adopted me when I was a year old. And she told me at age nine. Mm. And I, I know exactly where I was where we were in Somerville walking when she told me and my mother was always that way where she was very honest with me if I asked her a question about something she was very honest with me about the answer um and I was real I was just really fortunate that way yeah, yeah. To, to, you know um so were you taken aback with that whole revelation at that time I mean did you think that Cadillac Jack was your birth father up until that point well, well, yeah, but it yeah. also it it also helped that at the time I had a friend in school, um, who was African American, and he had um, two white parents, and he was adopted, and yeah. so to me, someone being adopted wasn't an unusual concept to me. Mm. Right, right. Yeah, thirty five year old that I was banging when I was nineteen, she was adopted, and when I was with her, she was on this quest to find her father, and um. She ultimately did, by the way, and the father said he didn't want to hear, you know, I, I signed away my rights. I don't want to meet you or know you, which just destroyed her. Common yeah. practice, too, be, by the way. You know? Yeah, but her parents, her mom never told her that she was adopted until she was like 19 or 20. And it just shattered her entire world to know that, you know, I've been living a lie. So anyone out there in the situation, you should tell the kids at a young age and just rip that bandaid off and normalize it because it well, doesn't you, need to be you, abnormal. Well, you it know, used so, to be much more common for folks to do that and not to talk about adoption. I mean, uh, our friend, uh, we brought him up a few times on the podcast today, Dan Stewart's adopted, and he didn't find out until he was later in life. Yeah. And I mean, that leaves quite a few questions, right, of, of things. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think probably the way your mom did it, Brewski, is... It's interesting because you were nine years old, but maybe that was the right time for you to find out when you knew that other people were adopted. It's not a weird thing. You know, you may have felt different about it at an earlier age. Yeah. 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 And by the way, my ex-wife, Jamie, was also adopted, but she has known her entire life. Like early, early, they had told her that. So it was it was never a crazy thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, interesting. My cousin, uh, her, her, she and her husband uh, have two kids, and they're both adopted. They uh, and they have known the whole time, uh, and it's been interesting. As one of her kids is getting up to, you know, Crosby's age, he is of thirteen, twelve years old, starting to wonder about his birth parents and who they are. And the daughter went through that at an earlier stage, but. It's an odd one for her because her his birth father is a pile of crap and he's in jail or in prison, I should say. And he's done some really bad stuff. So she had this whole thought process of like, gosh, I mean, obviously, like, I don't want to keep anything from him, but I also want to be able to protect him. Right. Uh, for I, I understand you want to reach out to this guy. So they lamented over it for a while on how to do it properly and finally sat down and had a conversation with him and just said, like, look, your birth father is in prison and has done some things that put him there. And, uh, you know, we would uh, say, yes, you could reach out to him on the condition of at this time, at your age now, that the letter that comes back from him, we get it and pass it along to you, you know? Yeah. 
so when they sat him down and told him that, I mean, I think it created a lot of calmness in him. And thus far, um, want to say that was four or five months ago. He has chosen not to reach out mm. to his birth father. And so maybe it's, uh, satisfied some of the curiosity but there's all kinds of issues with finding new family and hearing stories of of what's going on and you're right it is somewhat of an epidemic because i hear it happening to a lot of people and we're not really discussing any of the mental health wrapped around yeah you know how this is tearing people's visions of what once was apart yeah, no, it's a major. We thing. only hear the stories of it adding to their life. Like, yeah. oh, I found my dad after all these years, like your son may feel, you know, oh. like we hear the good ones, but yeah. And that's a good point, you know, and uh, anyone out there listening to this, if you've got a story, please reach out to us. Either go to the vocalminority.net or any of the uh, social medias. We'd love to have you on to hear what, you know, how this unfolded for you. And and Brewski, for you, what did the the mother of your son, what did she tell him as he was growing up about his dad? Do you know? I I get bits and pieces. He told me that, you know, his mother told him that I was somebody that that she saw and that, you know, we dated a, a little bit and that sort of thing. And then when she, and that she spoke nicely of me, uh, she told him some stuff about she me. She never to offered s- to connect the dots to say his name is Jason Fisher and you can find him in this town or anything like no, the, but the, yeah, and 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 she knew probably knew that I was in Seattle at the time because um, I was moving to Seattle uh, yeah. when that happened. No, and, she knew where uh, you were. Yeah, and, and certainly uh, into the digital age, she could find you. Well, and the other thing too was she said to him that um, she didn't want me to abandon my radio career because at the time it was still kind of going at the time, and that she didn't want to have me feel as though I needed to be where she was going to be. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> she would have got to make that decision, brother. I was going to say, that's that. a really big choice she made for both you and your son. So yeah. Well, but well. you know, but, like I said, though, I mean, she went back to Indiana and she comes from a very large family and uh, like six or seven brothers and sisters. And they all had like two or three kids each. And all these kids were Brendan's age. Yeah, a lot and of family so, around, sure, but no, that's no. And Listen, he went, all we can do is 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 hope and think that at the right time she did what she thought best, and it may not match up with what you think the right thing is now, but at yes. the time, she thought she was doing what was best. Sure, I'm sure it was yeah. a difficult situation, so I I get it. But yeah. yeah, and she and she had come to Boston because she left Indiana because she was just kind of bored and. Didn't, there wasn't a lot there, and so she came to Boston where she had some family, and she was staying with them when she met me, and then yeah, she moved back after when she became pregnant with Brendan. Well, I told my dad the other day that I was going to do Ancestry.com for a bit on the show, and he got really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so. Don't do that, Stephen. Yeah, he's like, oh, you've got so many funny bits planned. You don't need to be poking around the past. Yeah, I don't know if you're doing that. No, uh, no, no, no. 
All right, gentlemen, we're approaching the three hour mark. It is time to wrap this thing up like I will do if I meet Suicide Girl. <laughs> I had one more thing here, dude, that I was going to tell you. I appreciate that you're going to wrap it up if you meet her, dude. That yeah. makes me feel a little less anxious about the situation. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Nick. What do you got? Uh, that's all right. Uh, what I have may take some time. Should we save it? I, if it's going to take a lot of time, we're hitting three hours here pretty soon. So that's sort of our cutoff. If it's right, a great topic, I wouldn't try to squeeze it in at the end here unless it's time sensitive. It's just a personal thing that I woke up to this morning. Uh, I got a weird message on Facebook Messenger. Oh, fuck it. Yes, go ahead. Come on. I got to know. <laughs> All right. I just have to set, set the stage quickly here. So before I was obviously married to my current wife, I had a long-term relationship with someone that you guys both knew, yes. with Heather. Yeah. And... Uh, that relationship started when I was, uh, I mean, a young man, I was 20, 19, I was 19 years old. So we sort of grew up together in our formative years, you know, of, of learning who we were, but her father was an amazing guy mm. and, uh, was I knew sort of, this guy. yeah, he was, and he was sort of a second father to me. Uh, not that my dad was lacking or anything, but he was just kind of another role model in my life that I looked up to. So he passed away. I want to say it's been maybe it's been writing up on a year. So, you know, when he passed away, Heather obviously called me and she told me and wanted me to go to the funeral and speak at the funeral. So I did that. And uh, his his widow was there who has always kind of been just this crazy she's got her own addictions and issues but she's always also just been kind of a miserable crazy person that you had to kind of just put up with because you knew that he loved her and you'd be nice to her while you're there and then please just go away so she loved me for whatever reason and uh is heather and i split apart and we broke up Obviously, the relationship with her ended. I kept talking to her father, but I didn't have anything in common with her. But the fact that she has MS, she got diagnosed with MS maybe mm, six years or so after I did. Mm. So we had that kind of a bond in common where like she had questions. She was scared. She wanted to know what it was all about and maybe some of the things that she would experience. So we had that kind of a bond, but not a real closeness. So I go to the funeral, speak at the funeral, do not talk to her at all at the funeral because she's, I mean, she's really lost her mind. She lives out on her balcony in her house. I mean, she's, she's really lost her mind. Wow. So, so I get up this morning and I have this long message from her. Okay. And I'm just going to read it to you because I want to know how to proceed. Okay. And I want you to know, I, I want to know, is it fucked up? All right. Okay. Okay. Brewski, pay attention. I'm paying attention. Brewski, pay attention. <laughs> Hi, Nick. You sure are looking great and appearing oh. to be enjoying life to its fullest. <laughs> so she sees me on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> you deserve the best life has to offer more than about anyone I know. 
You've worked so hard throughout most of your life, so now it's time to relax and enjoy the benefits of your labors. Oh no, forty six, dude. <laughs> like, well, why am I? Are you pushing me to retire? It was that or... time. Yeah, okay. yeah. I have also wanted to thank you for your beautiful words spoken at Greg's memorial service. I know they came from your heart. He loved you like a son. He never had, and you can never be replaced in my eyes either. You truly have a heart of gold, and that comes from my heart. Oh, boy. There, there is something Greg taught you and said he would always be there for you in this regard. He also said that he would always be there for me if I got to the same point you were. You know what I'm talking about, Nick? MS. <laughs> I was like, what? What are you talking? I mean, I guess. Is she telling you, is she telling you she has MS? Oh, she's had MS. Okay. okay. She's had MS for a while. Yeah. Okay. So right, keep going. But she, I don't know what she's building through. Here. <laughs> okay. Well, Nick, I've reached that point where my MS has hit the same point where you were with your MS. And Greg isn't here to help me through it. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Giving myself injections. So when I first got MS, Steve, you probably remember this for sure, but I had to give myself a, a shot in the leg once a week. And it was a big fucking needle, dude. And it was daunting and kind of freaky. Yeah. And Greg was a diabetic. So, you know, he was used to poking himself and stuff like that. And he did kind of ease me through that whole period of like trying to figure out this new period of my life. <clears throat> So she says, giving myself injections, that time has arrived for me. And I remember how scared you were in the beginning. Greg helped you out quite a bit, it seems to me. Does my memory serve me correctly on that? Oh. Well, I'm scared, too. The biggest difference is I'm totally alone. You had Greg, Heather, and, of course, your wonderful, loving family. I have absolutely no one. Oh, I feel boy. so lonely and isolated. It seems as though even when I try to order groceries from the store that I somehow screw that up, too. I miss Greg so much. I'm alone. I still cry every day and talk with him as though he's still here. You might think I'm crazy, but he came back for a while. <clears throat> you might think I'm crazy, but he came back for a while and spent more time with me. Okay. At first, I thought I was crazy. But he came back slowly so as not to scare me. I can't even for certain say how long he was here, but he made sure no one else was around. Although there were times people heard me talking with him through my bedroom door. Just thought it was typical morning type of stuff. He came to me one day in tears to tell me his time was up and that he had to go back. I never questioned where he had been or where he was going but just enjoyed the special moment we were able to share. The very first thing I saw when he came back were his gentle hands extending the curtain for me from my outside deck to let me in the house. I get it. It's strange. I know. The very last thing I saw before he left once again were his gentle hands, this time petting the kitties, our babies who loved him so dearly, wanting to say goodbye to them as well. That pretty much sums up what a wonderful and loving man he was. I digressed a bit there. Let me get back on topic. Okay. So I'm sitting here with just sort of already swirling because I'm like, 
I don't know if you're threatening me <laughs> or if you are just sharing some odd morning times with me, but I, I, I'm going to say this in all peace and love. All right. And kindness. She's got a couple of screws loose. I'm not doubting that people going through emotional loss can have people come back. You know, feel like people are back there with them, but there's things about this that I doubt. Does it sound crazy to you? First of all, at this at this point in this letter, does this sound crazy to you, or am I affected by my pretense, my notion of of who she is? Right. Uh, this is a difficult one so far because you never know what tone people are writing it in. This could certainly be crazy ramblings, drunken ramblings. It could also be somebody just in deep pain. Sure. And I'm not going to discount somebody who says that, you know, they spoke to somebody from the other side. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories about that. So it could be true. She could also be having a psychotic breakdown or just in such deep emotional distress that she believes this happened or has convinced herself it happens. I mean, it sounds more crazy than not, but she sounds like she's in a lot of pain, whether that's crazy pain, drunken pain, morning pain. I, I don't know. So I guess I need to know where she's going with this. Okay. Bruce, do you agree with that analysis or? Well, yeah, because it seemed like she was saying, well, you know, Greg was there for you and he's not here for me. So now you owe me. That's that's kind of what I got from that. Like, you know, you needed to step in and and do what do for her what Greg did for you. Yeah. And I was I started to wonder, do I need to play Mrs. Robinson behind the story? Like, is she hitting on you? No, I think I think it's more. It's nothing I would. It's nothing I would discount. But the same when someone's like, you know, I miss my husband, and you always filled in for him, and I need you to like. I was like, yes, okay, exactly. I wasn't going there, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's unusual because I'm usually I'm usually the first one at that. I was going to say some of your grunts. I thought that's what you were queuing up. You're like, oh no, I know. No, it just it just it just sounded to me like someone. Laying the guilt trip on there, like, hey, you owe me, you, you know. And uh, okay. Greg, Greg can't collect, so I'm collecting for him, you know. Uh, <laughs> okay, Bruski. Well, let's see who is more in line with what's happening so far. Oh, okay. No. Uh, so I'll just read the last line, so we get back into where I left off. Yeah. So what I'm asking of you at this point is to repay the favor, so to speak, that Greg did for you, but isn't here to do for me now. Does that make sense? And I'm not asking you. That's what she wrote. Cupcakes will, of course, be served <laughs> along with anything else you like. Okay. And Rachel. That was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she is constantly, uh, since Heather and I broke up, has tried to bribe me to come and see her and always includes cupcakes as I must have the impression as a fat guy that I love cupcakes and I do, but it's not going to get me to your house. Okay. So I think that's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cupcakes, of course, will be served along with anything else you like. And Rachel is more. (laughs) (laughs) And Rachel is more than welcome to join the party. Oh boy. I'll try to send this incognito so the rest of the world doesn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you don't go on a global podcast and read it to everyone. <laughs> Listen, Is I that... haven't said her I haven't said her name. Okay. Sure. sure, sure. Uh, so the rest of the world doesn't see it. If not, you 
or both of us can hide it from public view at any time. The best number to reach me at these days is probably yada, yada, yada. It was supposed to be a temporary number, but it's been so long that I get the feeling it isn't going to change. Stick to the point, woman. Come on. Please do call me this time. And these the, the rest of this is all in caps. Oh. Please do call me this time. I'm not sure if you have me blocked or have been encouraged not to talk with me, but please, in Greg's honor, communicate with me about this. Uh, yeah, yeah. This sounds like an ex-girlfriend, not an ex-girlfriend's mother. Yeah, exactly. It's weird, right? She's yeah, offering cupcakes, is. so come on. Yeah, there will be cupcakes, sir. I don't understand what her point is. She wants you to come teach her how to inject herself? Yes. Hire Which a will, nurse, uh, lady. Doesn't don't, don't doctors' offices teach you this stuff? I yeah. had a nurse come over and show me how to do it. Now I had the moral support of Greg throughout this process, which I needed and appreciate to this day. That said, I was at a place in my life that I was part of this family. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And have you seen this woman in recent years socially? Uh, I saw. I mean, maybe a year and a half ago or so i stole her for you know i went over and visited her because no it's been longer than that it was pre-pandemic i get confused uh three and a half four years ago i went to i i heard she was not doing so well so i popped in when greg was still alive to say hello to her because he asked me to yeah so other than that no since he's died i saw her at the funeral and we did not talk at all and uh, then she's written to me a couple of times since he's passed away. And I have selfishly, I suppose, chose to not reply mm. because I don't feel like I have much to offer or well, this isn't your job to do. So that's understandable. And, and, and that makes me on one hand, it does make me feel bad, dude. Like I'm just struggling with the decision. Like, i said to rachel i said this is uh she said oh this is so manipulative like yes you're putting too much fucking thought into it it's so manipulative do you agree yes no yes. this is definitely you the, the the scale is a little more on the crazy side but it seems to probably be coming from her you know grief and loss and all that stuff but first of all you should not be teaching somebody how to inject themselves you're not a nurse or a doctor and if you do that wrong you can kill somebody so it would be one thing, here's what my suggestion would be, to refer her to a nurse or an at-home service that can come and teach her. Whether yes. you join in on that meeting is debatable, but I would tell her that, you know, Greg didn't teach me how to inject myself. He was there for some moral support. You need to learn that from a licensed medical professional so you don't Absolutely. do anything wrong. Well, and I think that that's what she's asking me is for the moral support side of it. Like, I'm not going to cheat her or anything. I haven't given myself a shot in years. These shots that she has to take, oh. I know what they are. I had them She there. have no other friends in her life for moral support? Why is she reaching out to you? That's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, based off this letter, she said, I have no one. And, and I don't doubt that everyone has left her side because she is a really manipulative, narcissist, kind of odd lady at this point. Then no, <laughs> capital N O here. Nope, she is definitely being manipulative and all that. So, yep. like anyone who reached out to you with MS, you know, you would have a certain kinship to say, like, you know, here's a good doctor to talk to or a good nurse, or see if your doctor has a referral. However, 
I'm personally not comfortable with being, you know, directly involved with something like this. It's just, and you could even blame it. Like it, it's triggering for me. It reminds me of past traumas going through all of that. So that's I, good. nothing to do with you, but I wouldn't be comfortable, you know, reliving that process again. That's great advice. I just, it sure wonder, is. How, how do I reconcile it within myself? Like, do I actually owe this to Greg? No, obviously not. No. Answer the question right now. Are you comfortable going over there with a nurse and showing this woman how to do this? Yes or no? Are you comfortable with that? I mean, I would dread it. I, I would do it if it needed to be done, but I would dread it. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't be comfortable, I suppose, but I would do it. Yeah. And, no, I and, mean, you shouldn't be doing anything that you don't feel comfortable with. And I would say I would mm -hmm. say this too, Nick. If you, if you think about it, the way that you and also she described this guy, Greg, he doesn't seem to be to me to be the type of person that would say, you owe this or you owe that. Mm -hmm. He would do something because mm -hmm. it was the right thing to do and because he's a good guy and that sort of thing. Yeah. So he, he would never expect yeah. you to go over there and do that because that's not the kind of guy he was. No. And like you said, dude, you were yeah. part of that family at that time. You were dating his daughter. Yeah. I don't think if you got MS now that he, you know, assuming he was live, obviously, that he would be coming over while you're in the relationship with Rachel now and being this. For sure. Like, so, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. This is more manipulative than anything else. And, uh, yeah, I, I would I would refer her on to an expert, tell her to consult her doctor. But, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. See, and dude, that's and that. I appreciate that advice because that does, I mean, you bring up some good points. Uh, the part that I have to figure out what I'm going to do is I'm usually not a, a ignore type person where I just don't write back mm -hmm. and the relationship that she just wasn't getting the point. So I had to get to that point where I was just like, I just don't respond anymore. And hopefully she'll stop writing me at some point. Do I just do that? Or do I at least write her back and say, good luck? Cause I know if I write back, she will continue to engage yeah yeah no i mean my advice would be to write back with what we kind of said like you know i understand what you're going through it's something that i can't personally be involved in because it brings up bad memories for me here's a doctor uh you know i wish you all the best if you need any more advice you know reach out and then leave it at that uh, if she starts kind of badgering you back then yeah i would just start ignoring that you've answered her question you've given sound advice you've protected yourself as far as what you're emotionally comfortable with and that's that if she wants to start writing back and back and back then no i would just block her and ignore her because at that point, yeah. he's clearly just being manipulative. If you tell someone, I'm not comfortable doing something, and then they keep pushing at you, then no, they're only worried about themselves and being you know, selfish, yep. manipulative, and all that stuff. So if she can't respect that, then you don't have to worry about respecting, you know, replying to her over and over. Okay. That's messed up, though, dude. That's a big thing to have someone drop on you, especially you being in that situation where you understand, you know, somebody with MS, you know, injection issues and all that. That's kind of fucked up. It's extra, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it, it, she. She came at me for a specific reason. She knew it would evoke something in me more than the average person, right? Yep. Yes. No, that's so. messed up. Well, let us know how all that unfolds if she shows up on your front lawn with a box of syringes or whatever. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think she. I don't, I don't think she can get out. I mean, well, I think she you, is. Man, she'll stand there with a box of syringes over. Flames <laughs> of Peter Gabriel. You know, say anything, me. part deuce. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll well, keep you guys a lot. abreast of the situation, as it were. Yeah. All right. Well, and if anyone out there in podcast land has any input, feel free to find us. So. 
Yes, and I appreciate the advice, gentlemen. Now, I appreciate the uh, open conversation for Vocal Minority Podcast Edition number six. Six. Yep. This was a good one. See, we like yeah, having well, guests on the show, but we don't need to have guests on the show. So, uh, you know, this was a good example of covering a lot of news stories and whatnot. And as we've been mentioning, if you're any of the people that is hearing this on the podcast, online, you're in on the ground floor. So please reach out to us. Let us know who you are and please spread it on your social media. Tell people we're trying to grow this thing. I've noticed on our analytics in the past week or two. I haven't seen any new areas pop up, but the people that are listening are continuing to listen. So we're holding the current audience. And that's a good thing, obviously. Some people may check out a new show and listen to it and be one and done, but we yeah. seem to be holding you guys. So help us spread the word, okay? We got, we got the passions to you know, fulfill and bills to pay. So help spread yeah. the word, get vocal. Right into the website, dude, thevocalminority.net. Let us know if there's any things you'd like us to cover, dude. We're always open to uh, suggestions of what you guys want to hear about, and uh, we love to communicate with the audience. Absolutely. Interview uh, people out there, or even if you just want to respond, a comment about something we've said, give us your number. We'll, we'll give you the Zoom link. You can call in. We'll get you on. That's what the show's all about. So Highly accessible, dude. The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Brewski sitting down there looking fabulous as always, my friend. <laughs> thank you, Have thank a good you. evening, gentlemen. Thank all you, right. guys, too. All right. Peace, peace. This is The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. <laughs>